Well, the Star Wars Outlaws release date is now the topic of discussion as some confusion and conflicting reports came out about the release window for the game. I previously reported that I thought the game would be landing in late 2024 based on an earnings report where it appeared that they had moved one of their bigger titles to late 2024. And then a Disney blog seemed to back that up. Just two days into the year, someone saw a post from Disney and noticed that Star Wars Outlaws was slated for late 2024. And about an hour after that report went out, Ubisoft responded, which has led to all kinds of speculation about when the actual release date is. Now, I have my own thoughts about Disney and what they did to Jedi Survivor with its release date, and that is going to be something I discuss as well about this. In my report where I said that I thought the game was going to be good, I thought the moved release date to the end of the year was a sign of good things and not bad, but now we're not really sure. Now, I put all of the good information right here at the beginning of the video. That way, you don't have to go looking for it. It's a live stream, so it's a longer video. If you're wondering why the video is so long, make sure you hit subscribe and the bell button. That way, you can be here for those live discussions. The Star Wars Outlaws release date now has some confusion surrounding it due to a blog post, gaming outlets, and a response from Ubisoft. In 2023, I claimed that this game stole the show during the Summer Game Fest, and it's now one of my most anticipated games of 2024. But I also reported on why I think the game will be good, and would likely be landing in late 2024 due to an earnings report. At the same time that I celebrated that, I was hoping that that meant Disney was allowing the developers or whoever was in charge of the game's release date to actually move a Star Wars game back further if it was necessary. So first, I want to tell you what happened and why you know this late 2024 thing was smacked down so quickly. This info, where was it seen, who reported it, and how it was so quickly changed? What is Ubisoft actually saying in their response? Now second, I want to look at what the reaction to this has been. Some see this as concerning, others see it as a good thing, and there's a whole gamut in between. I also want to talk about why I think people are so quick to dismiss Ubisoft games. I think I have a decent theory as to why that's happening. Lastly, I want to give you my thoughts on this. I obviously, you know, I'm in the game's corner, and I really hope that the blog post and the update was not something that is evidence of, like, pressure from Disney. So first up, what exactly happened? Well, IGN posted an article in the middle of the day on January the 2nd of 2024, and it simply stated, Star Wars Outlaws arrives late late 2024. Now, this was based on a Disney Parks blog that someone at IGN spotted, and it said the following, Star Wars Outlaws, the open world Star Wars game, is set to release late this year. Now, I initially saw this as a non-starter for a headline and a story, because in my previous video about how I think this game will be good, I cited an earnings report where it seemed that Outlaws had been pushed to later in 2024 and it wasn't a concerning delay but a strategic and an earnings motivated one but it seems that ubisoft didn't want that headline or the news claiming that the game was coming late 2024 about an hour after the publication ign updated the article and said the following update ubisoft reached out to ign to say that the late 2024 timing had been updated to a correct release window for 2024 the original story is below And basically what that means is the Disney Parks blog has been updated. Now it simply says in 2024 instead of late 2024 or later this year. So the correct release window is, well, the entire year. Now this might not seem like much of a story, but in light of Disney wanting a new Star Wars game every six months, and my own theory about the role that that played with Jedi Survivor, that 
I think it clearly launched before it was ready. I actually think there are a lot of possibilities here. They just did an interview with Kotaku, and they were doing sort of a preview info interview, and it all sounds very promising. It seems like a very ambitious title, and they're already hyping it up and ramping up the marketing. So why would they push back against a late 2024 release window? What's the problem with that? Well, a few theories are floating around, so let's look at some of the reactions that we are seeing to this, right? What's the reaction? I typically like to throw out a post and say, what's everybody think about this situation okay now one theory that i'm seeing floated around about this is that they've moved the game to earlier in 2024 like a surprise release now i could definitely see this being a possibility and it would certainly explain why they responded so quickly to the article and the headlines about a late 2024 launch this would actually be i think more concerning in my opinion which i know might sound weird i love surprise releases and short marketing windows it is in my opinion the better way to market and launch your games but i also think that disney is pushing a very corporate driven cadence for star wars games one that i believe forced star wars jedi survivor to launch before it was ready and even even though I think that game was sort of the third put on a release schedule that you know then the lead director left right they're basically already confirming that there's a third Jedi game and it is my concern that Disney put that on a release schedule that made the game director leave now maybe Santa Monica made him an offer that he couldn't refuse I don't know okay but I do know that when a game releases and it is a rough state and it didn't seem like it was ready and then when the third game's already promised and then the director walks I think that's a sign of concern, and I point to Disney for being the problem of that. Now, another reaction I saw to this initial headline was, look, take all the time that you need, right? In my video where I covered why I think this game is good, scenes like this look so good because they're actually emulating the lenses that were used in the 1970s for movies. They want it to feel like Star Wars from that era. That's why it looks so good. I remember when the trailer first came out, I was like, man, that just looks like a TV show or movie. How are they doing that? So I agree with this initial take, right? This is a growing sentiment in the gaming community, and I love to see it. Like, look, just take all the time you need. You don't need to push it out. You don't need to launch it too early. The mentality of, like, just show something, just say something, or just launch it, just launch the game, I think is so counter productive seeing games too early either ends up being gameplay far removed from the final product due to degradation or feature cuts or you see the game in a state that is rough and unpolished and launching games before they're ready is something that seems to be happening less and it also seems to be far less tolerated even day one patches are decried as a sign of problems and I actually don't agree with that day one patches are not an automatic indication that a game isn't ready for launch more often than not it just means that the dev continued to work on the game all the way up to launch but in the vein of responses and reactions some people immediately thought what I thought when we saw late 2024. I saw people saying things like, well, late 2024 means it's just going to slide right in to 2025 with a delay. And this is another possible theory that I think is plausible. The bad press of a late 2024 game, because, you know, many assume that that's just a risk of delay. That means it's going to slide in to next year. That was like the first thing that I thought. And maybe the game is dangling over that cliff. It can be, you know, really, I think, taking sort of the punch 
out of your marketing in the public if we're like, oh yeah, you're talking about this game all year, but we know it's not going to make it this year. The whole late 2024, been there, done that, would be the attitude from a lot of gamers. They could spend the entire year now doing their interviews, their reveals, their previews, and more, and everybody thinks, well, this game looks great, 2024 is stacked, and this game is targeting a 2024 release. And then, if it were to land in the fourth quarter, they could then just sort of say, listen, we're not going to make it. You know, once once the gaming press lands in that time of the year, they could say, yep, it's going to have to be, you know, next year. And I don't think that that would necessarily be as harmful as the entire year. Everybody's like, late 2024, it's coming, it's coming. And then it doesn't. So that could be what's going on here. And this wouldn't necessarily bother me, and it could make sense of their quickness to respond. Because as soon as I saw the announcement, I thought, yep, I bet that game slides into 2025. It's big, it's ambitious, it's going to take a lot to make the game great. And I wasn't the only one. Many of the responses to my tweet said the exact same thing. Now, another view that I'm seeing expressed by those who aren't too impressed with Ubisoft as of late is that, look, it's just going to be another, you know, opportunity for Ubisoft to turn things around. They actually think that this is a big opportunity for them to really sort of win back what people think about them. Now, I'm not sure what the commercial success of Avatar was, but it was very quickly on sale. So I'm assuming that it did not hit the momentum and the total sales that they were hoping for. But with Star Wars Outlaws and even Assassin's Creed Red, I could see Ubisoft winning back some confidence, some goodwill, and some popularity with the gaming public once again. And on the same token of people being like, well, this is another chance for them to kind of turn it around, there's also people saying, it's Ubisoft. It's going to be mediocre it's going to be mid and I think this response is the result of big franchises that got a bit copy paste over the years both Assassin's Creed and Far Cry I think they fall into pretty predictable lanes as well as tropes it doesn't make them bad games but it causes games to hit fatigue or boredom a lot faster I have called this in the past baked in familiarity. Well, what do I mean by baked in familiarity? Well, I originally coined this term when I was talking about players hitting fatigue with live service games. The new content, the new season, well, it can immediately feel familiar and it sort of expedites that feeling of boredom and disinterest. You're like, I've kind of done this before, even if it's brand new content or, you know, brand new things to do. I actually think that's what happened with Avatar Frontiers of Pandora. Now, I did not experience it to the degree that the negative reviewers did, but one evening I was doing something in the game. I was attempting to hunt something, and it just felt all too familiar to how hunting would frustrate me in the Far Cry games. Now, this was not enough to make me say, I'm not playing this game anymore, but it was certainly enough for me to say, I've I've done this before. This, to me, I think leads to a quicker dismissal or irritation with the game. If it were the first game you've ever played in that format you probably wouldn't notice or you'd be more tolerant of mechanics or systems that may be a bit irritating I think a lot of this is what drives many to say well Ubisoft games are mid or well they always feel like the same copy paste format none of this means that they make bad games just games that you feel like you've played before I would say this anti-Ubisoft attitude is putting both Star Wars Outlaws and Assassin's Creed Red squarely in the crosshairs. And I also think it means that many will be dismissive until the games come out and prove otherwise. Hopefully the open world format of Star Wars Outlaws does not land in the familiar Ubisoft territory as it will potentially be met with harsher criticism than is maybe deserved. 
So, what are my thoughts on this? That's just kind of my theory about, like, why is there this growing sense of almost immediate animosity or doubt or skepticism or criticism about Ubisoft games. So, I've made it very clear that I think this game is going to be good, and I'm actually really looking forward to it. Now, that doesn't mean I won't criticize if it launches with problems or issues, or if it's just not a very good game, if it's disappointing. Jedi Survivor is a great way to showcase this. It was one of my most anticipated games of 2023, and I refused to play it until they patched the performance mode. And it was so frustrating waiting because I knew the game was good and that the story was good underneath those issues with the performance mode. So my anticipation and my excitement for the game will actually drive me to be harsher in my criticism if Star Wars Outlaws does not deliver, especially if it launches and it clearly isn't ready which is one of my main concerns about the whole release date confusion debacle. The speed with which this was corrected is actually kind of concerning because it could be related or maybe even connected to pressure from Disney. They could be saying something to the effect of, don't you dare release that game late in the year. We want a new Star Wars game every six months. It's why in my video about how I think Star Wars Outlaws will be good, I I actually cited the potential internal delay as a good sign. It would mean that Disney is allowing the studios to dictate release dates according to their need rather than to some corporate demand of release cadence. This is an ongoing bit of commentary from me. Budgets and projects are getting so big that games and studios simply cannot afford to keep crunching and rushing games to the market. After all the layoffs of 2023, it's time to start shrinking the marketing budgets and spending, I think, that money that you save by not spending it all on marketing for years and years, well, you can help the project land and be more cost-effective, keep those costs down. So please, Disney, publishers, anybody in charge, let this game cook. Let games cook. But that's just what I think. What do you think? So let me give you my... Closing thoughts and uh, and conclusions on this one. A little bit of faster opener today, but whenever these sorts of typos or accidents happen, I always wonder what the cause is. Arc two had something similar happen. It said that they had something somewhere that said the game was coming in 2025 uh, or quarter one of 2025, and then they quickly responded and they said that it was a typo. How, how does that happen? How do you have a typo of quarter one 2025, or how is it a typo that someone's like, oh yeah, it's coming late this year? This blog post where Star Wars Outlaws was listed as late 2024. Well, it has to be based on something. Because if you don't have a date, if you don't have a release window for the entirety of the year, then whoever wrote this would have just put 2024. The minute you start to drill down into a specific window or time, well, that means you've got something that you're basing that off of. It's it's really hard for me not to conclude that late 2024 was the target window, all right, which leads to the second thing I want to say. Ubisoft immediately responding breaks down into three possibilities for me. First, it is targeting late 2024, and for some reason, they don't want that as part of the marketing right now. With how quickly everybody jumps to, well, it's probably getting delayed, I could see them viewing that window, or maybe that phrasing, as just bad PR. The history of the gaming community and the gaming industry, late gear launches are so commonly delayed, it's possible that they're just avoiding that terminology, and they are in fact targeting that window. The second possibility is it's no longer targeting late 2024 and they're going to do a surprise earlier launch. I actually think that's the most worrisome of the bunch because I want games to get as much development as possible. Third, the third possibility could be 
they're not confident in the release window and they figure you know just 2024 is generic enough it's going to be less disappointing if they have to delay it because they didn't promise us oh late 2024 we'll wait all year and then by the time you get there it's like oh well what's the big deal if we have to wait a couple more months i think the blow of the delay is less severe so i think those are the three possibilities with what is going on with star wars outlaws now whatever the reality is i just hope the devs in charge of the release date i hope it's their choice and not disney because my conclusion is this the danger of big ip being used to sell a game is that the game quality sometimes doesn't matter games like avengers comes to mind or the recent release date of jedi survivor especially when you look at how well jedi survivor did commercially but i can't help but hope that avengers failing and the terrible score for jedi survivor on steam is maybe helping push back against the idea that well you can just ship a subpar or buggy game if it's attached to a big ip Someone has to be crunching the potential sales numbers for Steam and seeing that, look, the negative scores, it hurt Jedi Survivor. Like, the total sales would have been higher. The question is, did it hurt enough to make a difference? Because console users are still not properly protected with the ease of use for refunds. If consumers could easily refund a game on console, as long as you don't play for more than like a couple hours, I actually think games like Jedi Survivor, that sort of a bad launch would be less common. And I would have less concerns about a game like Star Wars Outlaws coming out too early because the companies would know if you launch too early and the game's bad or in a really, really rough state, well, then people are just going to return it. So for now, we wait for more details and hopefully more gameplay. And those are just my thoughts. Now it's time to hear your thoughts. And that's the show open. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, guys. Welcome in. This is a bit of a strange one because I don't think I've ever seen a company respond quite that fast to the most non-controversial headline ever. It's like, oh yeah, Star Wars Outlaws is slated for late 2024, and they're like, no, it's not. (laughs) Like It's like, okay, it's slated for all of 2024 so curious where you guys land on this one go through the morning ritual man smash that like button and make sure you hit subscribe so you can talk in the chat and get your memberships upgraded to a reforged writer we've made some changes now all members can take part in an end of the stream q a but we are going right to writers rooms now after the premiere we don't have a premiere today gaming news is slowed down so much that this <laughs> this was the big news and han shot first and so did you dk beggar starting the day off for us with the first gifted member of the day thank you so much dk beggar let me make sure there's nothing else in fan funding there we go and this hoodie is so hot i gotta take it off and we, we've got we've got more merch on underneath the uh the, the hilarious faux pas well not maybe not faux pas when i misspoke and referred to myself as loney all that time ago uh just fully embracing the meme that uh that <laughs> that my brother consistently calls me this this is merch available in the reforgegaming.net store if you guys want to head over there and a uh, little too warm in the studio today for the hoodie but the hoodie is also available nice zip up and kenneth williams hits 11 months and is renewing that membership kenneth there's about 200 folks that are paying for their own memberships 
that are not at a Reforged Rider, okay? About 75% of the people paying for their own memberships are at a Reforged Rider. If you want to continue to come to those extra streams and Friday night streams with Madam, you're going to want to bump up. There's an upgrade command to help you walk through that. It is only a dollar, but it really, really helps us put that dividing line up that we've really wanted to put up for some time. And we're just, we're pulling the trigger now this year, all right? Yo, what's good, Swade? Hope you had a good holiday. I did have a good holiday. Same to you, Swade. Hopefully you had a good one, both a Christmas and a New Year. Star Wars Outlaws has been in production for four years, though there's no way that this game will be delayed into 2025. Why do you think a game of this size and ambition only needs four years of development? Like, only four years of development? Like, come on. It, th- this, this, to me, is a problem in the industry right now. A good gaming cycle is five to six years. I see people pushing for, like, Hellblade to come out first quarter this year. I'm like, no! Let it come out at the end! Give it as much time as possible. Joker Quinn with the next gifted member on the day. Thank you so much for doing that, Joker Quinn, taking us to the second member of the day. Welcome in. I think there's a bit of anti-UB hate. People are harsher on them for using the same formula, but saying nothing on Bethesda or other studios. Excited for Prince of Persia, and I think it will surprise people. He, I, I tried to kind of theorize as to why that happens, right? Why is everybody so immediately harsh to Ubisoft? Why do they have this sort of animosity towards UB? And what I did was, is I drew a connection between... I came up with the idea of baked-in familiarity whenever we were talking about live service games. I think we were actually talking about Destiny. And one of the reasons that live service games are always going to struggle, and one of the reasons they're always going to sort of hit this saturation point where people are just kind of sick of the game, is because there's baked-in familiarity. You're going to play a brand new, you know, season of destiny and within a couple of hours there are going to be elements of the game that feel familiar and familiarity breeds contempt right so the more familiar that it feels the more quickly you're going to be like yeah i've kind of played this before now i ran into this when i was playing through gears of war 4 now i felt like gears 5 innovated enough and changed things up enough i played that game beginning to end and i loved it but Gears 4, at one point, I was like, I've played this game before. I've hid behind structures and used these weapons and shot those enemies. And I put the game down and I never went back, okay? So, I think Ubisoft falls prey to that, right? I think they fall prey to it for a very simple reason. Their games have been around for a really long time. So more and more players have experienced an Assassin's Creed or they've experienced a Far Cry. And when that happens, the minute you play a game that feels or smells a little bit like an Assassin's Creed or a Far Cry, you're like, this game sucks. I've played this before. I'm out. Now, if you want to get down into the muck and the mire of game design and you want to talk about, well, when you dial in a bloated map or you dial in fetch quest or you dial in, you know, similar activities and they're happening in too close of succession, I'd be willing to have that discussion. It's possible that like rhythmically they put certain activities too close together or something of that, you know, nature. However... I think that this is what happens to Avatar Frontiers of Pandora. People got a whiff of Far Cry from some of the activities, and that was all it took. They were like, yep, 
I have no desire to play this game anymore. I've played this game before. Now, I didn't have that strong of a negative experience. But when I was playing Avatar Frontiers of Pandora, I was hunting some animal. And I I killed a couple of them. Didn't get what I was looking for. I didn't get them to drop the thing that I wanted. And then the next couple times I was trying to hunt it, it just kept getting away from me. It kept evading me. And I immediately felt this sense of, dude, I've done this before. I've gone through this before in Far Cry, and it's irritating, and it's not fun. Hunting is not that enjoyable as a gameplay loop. It doesn't need to be drawn out. It needs to be pretty quick. Does that make sense? Like, the more menial the task, the more quick and over and done with it should be. If the task is go pick some flowers and you just can't find the dadgum flowers because for whatever reason, let's just say the game developer said make the flowers really rare. Well, the menial task is now being stretched beyond what the player is going to tolerate and it's going to snap and they're going to be like, I don't want to do this. Okay, that's not the same as like a boss fight taking a while or maybe you die a few times and got to retry it or maybe you're playing like uh, a mission where you got to sneak and you got to be stealthy and you get discovered I think you're a little bit more tolerant of that because it's not this like teeny tiny little menial thing of picking up a flower or like hunting an an enemy or something and so I do think within game design you can get too rhythmically close to the thing that you just did or the task is so menial it should be sort of a freebie it should be sort of easy You know, like, I don't think you should walk in and, like, one hit a boss, but I also don't think, like, hunting for some enemy to drop a bone so that I can make a pouch, I don't think that should be a strenuous or drawn-out activity. Does that make sense? So, if you want to get into a game design discussion, sure, we can do that. But I don't think a lot of people do that. I think what they do is, is they say, well, I've done this before, this game sucks. And it's like, well, does the game suck? Or is it just just familiar enough that you're already kind of bored? It's got, as I said, it's got baked-in familiarity. And with a game that's open world, there's obviously concerns that this game could suffer similar problems. You know, are we going to open up the map on Tatooine and see a bunch of icons? Are we going to roam around on our speeder and feel like, here we go again, this game borrows from Assassin's Creed, or this game borrows from Far Cry, because... There are likely, I'm, I'm just assuming there's going to be some of those open world tropes, and I don't think those open world tropes are necessarily wrong, but I also think it could lead to people being like, yep, i played this game before, this game's lame. And then they'll sort of judge it more harshly than it probably deserves. Not to mention the terrible physics. Go throw a body off of something and they float down like a feather. Oh, the last Assassin's Creed game was terrible. Are you talking about AC Mirage? Mirage is in my backlog. I want to go back to it. I uh, I, I installed uh, Playtale Requiem and Evil West last night on PS Plus. I figured, hey, let's check these out, you know, because I, I stopped playing Requiem because of the performance, and they've patched in the performance mode. And I actually never tried out Evil West, and I was pretty impressed by it last night. It is very linear. It is very sort of dated in its level design, but the combat and the graphics, I was like, okay, this game's kind of got a vibe, you know? And if it's short and sweet, I think that, you know, even better. You were having that issue uh, with AC Mirage. This was not real gameplay. I'm fairly certain they have come out and said this is all real gameplay. This is not some fully rendered fake-out. When she's on the speeder, when she's sneaking around the base, when they're flying in outer space, I believe they have come out and said, no, that's real gameplay. That's what the game's going to look like. 
Mr. Karate says, hit the like button, y'all. Hit the like button, hit subscribe if you want to talk in the chat. Uh, Consider becoming a member. If you are going to pick a membership all on your own, it's best to pick Reforge Rider. If you get gifted a member, you can upgrade. It's a dollar to upgrade. Who do I have to thank for this beautiful shirt? Well, I mean, you can thank me for accidentally saying Loney one day, and then you can thank Creature for designing it. It is available available in the... uh, reforgegaming.net merch uh, is available that that site's going to continue to get uh, stuff added to it as well as like all of my monologues turned into articles and things like that they clearly stated his gameplay but not a final product yeah I'm fairly certain when the video opens don't they say right at the beginning um, let's just see how they phrase it on the thing because I, I feel like they were asked about this and they responded and they're like no that's real gameplay bro Uh, Let's see. Yeah, it says work in progress does not represent final quality. I don't think you would say that if you were if you were showing people some exaggerated version of the game. You wouldn't be like, yo, don't don't be so quick to judge. This is a work in progress. If you were faking people out with like a, a, a highly rendered in you know environment or or highly rendered gameplay, I don't think that you would put that on there. You wouldn't say, Oh yeah, it's don't 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 be so quick to judge. It's like, no, they they they're saying this is not the final product. This is a this is a this is a WIP, it's a work in progress. Looks like a crazy bootleg version of a Sony shirt for non-English speakers. It's glorious. <laughs> yeah, I actually thought it'd be pretty funny if you had a friend's name Tony to get him a shirt like this and be like, I don't know, they messed it up. That that was supposed to say Tony, and I guess the printer, I, I you know, I didn't want to not give it to you. You know, it's the thought that counts, right? He'd be like, I don't want to freaking wear a shirt that says Loney on it. <laughs> Yo, good morning, Drummond. How are you? Valhalla has a good story with Mirage. I couldn't be less interested. Yo, Valhalla's coming to Game Pass soon. So for those of you that maybe sat out on Valhalla, that's a that's a really big game to land on Game Pass. Be sure to check that one out. Grand Theft Auto Five is leaving, which makes sense, right? You know, engagement with that game probably going to go down. Well, maybe up. I don't know. But the price tag on keeping it on Game Pass is probably going to be going up in anticipation of GTA 6. So Microsoft's probably like, yeah, we don't need to do that. We can we can flood Game Pass with ABK. So I just saw that this morning. So make sure and check those out. Whether you check out, you know, Evil West or, or Plague Tale or Nobody Saves the World is a great game, too. That also hit PS Plus. Check those out. And then those of you that might have been like, yeah, I don't know, dude. AC Valhalla just seems too big is it available in green yeah we have a variety of colors that you can get the loney shirt in and it does have hang on i gotta go to the other camera it does have the joystick it does have the joystick on the back right there in the middle and i did build the the lego piranha plant my daughter got me uh for christmas we're gonna start putting uh unboxings and and reviews of the Lego sets on the Brick Abbey. So the Brick Abbey is going to actually start to get content again. We did build videos of that stuff, and it just took so long for me to do a series because I you know, I have to do it. I got to pull the table. I got to record it. And it was like I would do part four, and then part five wouldn't happen for weeks. So we're going to try that format and see if we can't maybe get that channel kind of going again. Just a fun little hobby channel. How is Evil West? It's I had enough fun to keep going, but it is very linear and very... 
it uses some things that feel a little bit dated like the linear path to like a little set piece fight and then linear path to another set piece fight I'm actually fine with that I think it's okay to have games like that not every game needs to be this massive open world like let me just go from spot to spot to spot combat feels really responsive only thing I I had an issue with was I don't think they want you to sprint in combat it was really ineffective like I couldn't get the sprint going like I'd have to click a couple of times I think it's because you literally had to be facing forward to start sprinting like if I was already kind of turning and I would try to sprint it just wouldn't do it so, because there were a couple of times I was trying to like sprint around to separate the enemies so I could try some different things, but the the dodging seems really effective, crunchy, cool. I I, I, just, I like I said, the game's got kind of a vibe. I kind of I kind of dig it. I I just got to the point where last night I, I got a rifle and then I was like, okay. My wife came down. I was like, all right, it's time to time to watch Twilight Zone. You know, I'm not gonna make her watch this game. Um. <clears throat> They were onto something with Watch Dogs 2 and they completely scrapped it. I'm not sure what you mean. Good morning, Feed. Good to see you in the chat. We need an L-Box shirt uh, to be fair now. I don't think I've ever had a nickname with respect to that. Uh, I don't think we want a shirt that says that. You need a Merry Frickmas shirt? Maybe we'll launch some Merry Frickmas merch next year for Frickmas. You know, we don't have any right now. I mean, you can pick a Team Frickmas mug and a Team Frickmas shirt? And hoodie on ReforgeRoast.com. Reforge Roast has its own merch as well, if you want to get some coffee merch. Evil West is fun. Had no expectations and really like it. Feels very 360 PC3 style of, uh, PS3 style of game. Feels a little blurry. Yeah, performance mode is definitely using some kind of motion blur that you can't turn off. I noticed the same thing. Wasn't too thrilled about that. You know, I'd rather be able to turn off motion blur and just do dynamic res, but, you know, everybody's got their own attempt to maintain their art vision for their game or whatever but with respect to, to Star Wars Outlaw uh, Star Wars Outlaw's release date the the thing that I really want to push home is I'm concerned about the quickness with which they responded to this I don't know if I've ever seen a developer respond that fast IGN's article was up for an hour an hour and Ubisoft replied and they were they sent a notification they're like no 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 we've updated the blog okay so the question that i have is why did they respond so fast i mean really fast and why is a late 2024 release window getting such a quick response right like what what's what's the issue there Evil West developers working on a new and ambitious third person. Oh, they're going to do a sequel, maybe. I I mean, hey, I I feel like they built something that's recognizable. Keep going. You know. Loney's a combination of Lono and Sony, and in, uh, we joke, as in jokingly call him, uh, Sony Pony. Loney doesn't stand for L Sony, so there's no need for an L box related shirts. Yeah, I mean, this, I I accidentally called myself Loney once. I was trying to be like, come on, Lono, Sony does da-da-da-da-da. And I was like, come on, Loney. I called called myself Loney. Anybody think Borderlands 4 gets announced this year? I mean, maybe. My concern is, again, they responded to this because I think Disney is like, "Uh uh-uh. No. That game's not coming out late 2024. You better have that game out third quarter. You better have that game out third quarter. Like, I would rather them come out and say, 
we're not sure about the release date and then us be like okay it might be getting delayed because then we either get it this year as a surprise or it gets delayed and it gets the time that it needs I think either scenario is better than Disney stepping in and being like uh uh that game's not launching late 2024 who told you you could do that that game's coming out at this date and at this time because I'm I'm fairly certain that's what happened with Jedi Survivor I think Jedi Survivor needed another nine or ten months. It needed I, I I would I would hazard a guess it needed almost a whole other year. I mean, look at the state of that game on Steam. It's terrible. Now the question I have is, is anybody looking at the Steam sales and saying, We took a bath over here, dude. What the what what did we do this for? Because they can return the game and the score is really bad. My concern is is that the Steam version of that game is never going to get to a good place because now they're not financially motivated to do it. You know, they're not now they're not now they're not motivated to do it. They're going to say, "Listen, we've already we've already lost that audience over there." Because anybody that goes to buy that game on Steam is going to see the score and say, "I'm not buying this game. It's got a terrible score." Now, initial reports show that Jedi Survivor did very well commercially now is that is that because console users can't refund a game because I kind of feel like a lot of the people on PS5 and a lot of people on Series X would have returned that game because it ran so poorly at launch one of its only protections might have been that a lot of people on next gen consoles seem to play games at quality I love y'all, but you're weird to me. I don't get that, but I love y'all because differences and preferences make the world go round. So, bully for you. That might have been their one protecting thing on a console is that most people wouldn't have noticed the bad performance because they would have been playing at quality and they'd have been playing at 30 FPS. You played on quality mode? There you go. See, you didn't notice it. Listen, man, I don't get how you can do that, but you probably get to have... More often than not, you probably have a better experience than I do. I mean that. I guarantee you, more often than not, you boot up a game and you play it at quality and you're like, I don't know what all these people are complaining about. This game looks and runs fantastic because you're running the game at 30 FPS and you just see, you know, all the pretty stuff that you think is you think is great. And I'm over here like, bro, Bro, I can't do this. This is... This is this looks terrible. This looks and feels awful. And that I, liter- I literally... I literally couldn't play Jedi Survivor until they patched it. Now, if they would have never patched performance mode, I would have never went and played it. It was that bad. It was screen tearing. The whole game would hitch and freeze and stutter. It was really, really bad. Jedi Survivor does have performance issues on PCs, but the game is playable. Here's the thing about the PC crowd. This is just an observation that I've noticed. And this is something you got to consider with something like Star Wars Outlaws. Star Wars Outlaws going to be coming out multi-platform. PC user base, I don't know what percentage of sales they're anticipating from the PC user base, but something I have observed from the PC universe and the PC player base is... Bro, they'll walk on your game real quick. Do you want to know why? Because they can get their money back. And I think as much as the PC Master Race guys can be super annoying and they act like they're not fanboys when they actually are bigger fanboys than others, 
right? <laughs> their lack of their lack of self awareness is always a little amusing. It leads to some weird takes, but as annoying as they can be, I think they're they're probably the strongest consumer base at some level. Not at not at not at like mass purchasing level because a lot of games don't sell as well on PC as they do on consoles and Nintendo games would probably always do better on their platform like they're always wanting Nintendo games and it's like I don't I don't think that's ever going to happen and plus you guys steal them anyway so you know Nintendo's never going to do that but I actually think they're they're in a stronger position than a lot of consumers out there yo DK Baker with another gifted membership taking us to three members on the day thank you so much DK Baker I think they're in a stronger position because they can literally just take their money and walk. Your game sucks. Your game runs poorly. All right, that's fine. I'm going to get my money back. I'm going to leave a bad review and I'm I'm just going to peace out on your game and I'm not coming back. That's the other thing that I actually think happens with PC games. They don't come back, bro. They don't do this whole well they they're you know they're committing to fix the game. Now some games maybe, but like Cyberpunk wasn't as bad on PC as it was on console. So like I think Cyberpunk at launch was like a 75%. So like Cyberpunk would be an example of a game that like fix itself over time and still continue to get like people's uh, allegiance and support on PC, but something that I've noticed from the PC platform over the years Bro, they just take their money and walk. They're like, no, nah, no thanks. Your game sucks. Game's bad. I don't like the they are pirates take. There would be just as many pirates on console if it was possible. Didn't people pirate the Dreamcast to death? Yes. Yes. Which is exactly why protecting your property against that is so important. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. They don't realize that, like, sadly... It's sadly it's a whole catch twenty two, right? Is like, well, there's people stealing, and because there's people stealing, then they add Denuvo, and then when they add Denuvo, the game runs like crap, and then the people that are willing to buy get a diminished experience. So then they're more inclined to use sources and materials to get games that don't have that in it, or to steal games. Like it's just a big giant mess where, you know, Denuvo is not a solution. And in some respects, I think it causes more problems. You know, I actually think you would probably end up with more satisfied consumers and then potentially have better sales and potentially have better word of mouth if you didn't shove that crap into your game because, I don't know, there was a guy in here one day saying that Denuvo is only really designed to work well for the first 30 days anyway because that's generally when they make the most money. And it's like, well, are you making the most money because Denuvo diminishes your performance? And if it diminishes your performance, it's going to drive down the reviews. And if it drives down the reviews, then less people are going to buy your game. So, like, I feel like it's counterproductive from the bottom to the top. I know it's a nuanced situation, but that's just sort of my general take on it is you would probably end up getting more sales and more traction if you wouldn't do that. So you actually it's counterproductive like people still steal the game and all you do is tick off the people that paid for it like it's just so dumb I I don't know I feel like that's a corporate decision I do I feel like that's a corporate decision I feel like some corporate level person makes that call and is like nobody's stealing our game and it's like well sir actually they still do and you know the people that paid for the game are now irritated and refunding it or complaining so you achieve nothing so, completely separate subject from this, 
on that subject though of Jedi Survivor its current Steam score I don't think they're going to be financially motivated to fix it I look at Star Wars Outlaws and I'm thinking that release date that release window I think that was real I do the question is why don't they want us to know that Star Wars Outlaws is coming late 2024 is it because of the bad PR that people just assume oh late 2024 ah, you're probably getting pushed the next year you're getting delayed is that the reason they don't want people knowing that or is Disney walking in the room and saying that game's not launching late 2024 who do you think you are you're making a Star Wars game, and Star Wars games come out when we say they come out, right? I, there's a variety of things that could be potentially going on here. And the fact that it was a Disney Parks blog, that's the other interesting aspect of this. It wasn't, a, it wasn't like a, a Star Wars game blog. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a, you know, a publisher. It wasn't something that Ubisoft did. It was a Disney Parks blog. Of all the places... <laughs> like, of all the places... like. That's what I'm really curious about. Is like, how does anybody even find that? Like, uh, it was uh, it was Ryan McCaffrey from IGN. He saw it. He flagged it for the news team at IGN, and so the the news team runs the story. And like within an hour, they're like, "No, we've corrected that. It now reflects the correct window." I love that part about this story too. Yeah, now it now reflects the correct window. You're thinking, "Oh, d- does it say quarter three or?" Quarter two, what's it say? No, it just says that it's coming in 2024. That's the correct window. What? <laughs> what does that mean? That's the whole year. We're two days into the year. What do you mean? That, that That's the whole, that's the entirety of the year ahead of us. Doesn't late 2024 achieve the same idea? You know, I mean, I guess not. I guess it doesn't because then, you know, between now and, 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 you know, basically fourth quarter or holiday, people are just going to maybe potentially shrug at your game. You're like, yeah, your game's not coming out for a while. I don't know. You think it's possible they reached out for comment and they got a response right as they hit the publish button? According to IGN, Ubisoft reached out to them and said, that has been corrected. This article hit the airwaves. It got wind to somebody somewhere, and they pick up the phone or DM or whatever. Probably a DM. Probably a a PR contact at Ubisoft sends a DM to some some contact at IGN. E- email something, and says, "Hey, you, that's not that's not correct. We've already got the blog corrected." Look how fast they acted. In an hour, they had the blog changed and IGN had been contacted. Now, in the world that I live in, that's a breakneck speed because typically if you DM somebody or you run something or something happens, you know, the, the, the chain of command at these companies, these decisions aren't made quickly. So somebody somewhere said, no, 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 fix that blog and contact IGN right now. I mean, 60 minutes, roughly. Is how long it took. That's what makes me think this was motivated by Disney. Because when Disney says jump, you're going to say how high, right? I mean, they're they're the property owner. You don't cross the mouse. I mean, unless you put them in a video game now, because Steamboat Willie is, is, is public domain. Continuing to theorize, did someone else reach out for comment on the report? 
And that prompted the response. I mean, there is a possibility that another outlet went to run the story. They reach out to their contact at Yubi, and Yubi's like, what the frick? No, we've not said that publicly. We've not set a window publicly. So that guy runs it up the chain. The chain says, "Uh uh-uh, we'll be in contact with the Disney blog. Contact IGN since they're the source of the story. And you tell them that that blog has been corrected. The speed with which the blog was changed, I think, is more interesting because it means somebody somewhere found out and was able to get into contact with somebody else who was able to change that blog. It was a Disney Parks blog. It wasn't like some guy at UB was like, hey, boss, yeah, somebody pushed out the rough draft on that blog and it still said late in 2024. We got to fix this and we got to contact IGN. It wasn't a like the fact that UB reached out and said, hey, it's been changed. I just there's a lot of there's a lot of chains of command there that that happened really, really quickly. It just happened really fast. You're going to get someone to change a Disney Parks blog that quickly. I mean, who who's who's picking that phone up? Some lowly, no no offense, no offense, but you know, the, the, the guys running like the PR accounts and the community manager accounts for these games, they're low on the totem pole. That's not a slam. They simply are. They don't, they're not privy to lots of things. They don't, you know, they don't have the CEO's phone number. You know, they're, they're low on the totem pole. They have somebody that they answer to and then up and up and up and up and up. So I don't think like some PR guy or some community manager did this. This is this was a high level action that happened very quickly. Who's Steamboat Willie? Steamboat Willie is the first rendition of Mickey Mouse, where he's wearing like a hat and he's 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 whistling and he's he's driving a boat. He's driving a steamboat. That is now public domain, which is why you're seeing the art style show up in games like that shooter. I believe the shooter's game is it just called Mouse? And then there is a scary game coming out that. They had to change the name because I guess they didn't do proper research into what a number meant or something. Um, it's really a shame too because it was one game I really wanted as a big Star Wars fan. Performance issues scared me off, especially since I only recently upgraded to a 2060 Super from a GTX 1660. Well, yeah, and and you know the issues with Star Wars Jedi Survivor, I don't even know if you can overcome the issues with a stronger rig, because I remember talking to somebody who. He, he had a decent rig, and he was in contact with other people that had good rigs, and they were all having problems. Like It's not like you can just... You can't throw a strong PC at a poorly optimized game and fix it. Now, you can minimize certain things, but it ain't gonna fix it. There, were, there, there are ground-level foundational problems with Jedi Survivor. They just are. And I don't... They said that they had to completely rework performance mode on console. I'm impressed that we got even that. I really am. I'm impressed that we got even that because it was just like we were going. We were going for how long? No updates. It was months. Stone Spire was that you? I couldn't remember if it was you or if it was Wheezy. I just remember somebody being like, "Bro, I had a, I had a, I had a monster suit rig. I know people with monster rigs, and uh, it, <laughs> it's, it's you know, my 4090 had no issues other than stuttering." near the bar I talked to a couple people that might that I don't think they had 4090s I think they had 3060s 
and they were experiencing all the issues on that one planet just like just just really really inconsistent performance frame drops all all kinds of problems used to be able to throw pc hardware at console games but not anymore there's been a big wake-up call for some pc gamers digital foundry has spoke on that a lot what has digital so is digital foundry saying that what you can't like you can't out muscle a bad port is that what they're saying like if you get a bad port you can't you can't muscle that thing to the ground with a really really strong rig i mean is that essentially the paraphrase I would imagine. Oh, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I didn't pull the coffee out, guys. If you're not aware, if you're a coffee drinker, and also if you're a Reforge Roast drinker, then you should be checking out ReforgeRoast.com. All three flavors are available right now, and we even have some bundles on there. We've got the Triple Threat. Uh, we uh, I printed off some Triple Threat orders last night. You can get all three bags for a, for a little bit of a uh, of a discount. And, and our holiday flavor, Frickmas Blend, still available, and our most popular flavor, and it's limited run. Fix your shirt. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ellie. That would be really awkward if I just wore a shirt that just flat out said Lono on it. That would be a little, that'd be a little, that'd be a bit much. That'd be a little extra, I think. If you guys are just tuning in and you're enjoying the show, we are discussing the Star Wars Outlaws release date because... There was a bit of confusion yesterday, and we're trying to theorize what exactly would lead to Ubisoft responding so quickly, the blog being edited so quickly. What's so wrong with reporting that Star Wars Outlaws is coming late 2024? They are now saying that that's not the window. The window of time for the game is the entire year, which again, that just feels very Disney to me. That feels very, very Disney. Like, uh uh-uh. That thing's coming out sometime this year. It ain't going to be late. Unless the word late just has a negative t- connotation. I mean, there's always that too. Like in the PS4 and the PS3 era, you used to be able to brute force games to run well. VR gaming is making it even worse. 2060 is considered low end on 2023 VR games for the Quest 3 resolution. Very worried about the future. VR is v, v, VR has got yeah a long way to go, and it might it might not make it. I don't know. I just think the funding will dry up. You just won't have studios. The studios won't want to make games, you know, which is a, which is a shame because it's it's a great experience if you play the right game. I, it really is a truly special experience, you know. Let's play this out. If they didn't correct the report and release the game in April, what is the harm to Disney? Right, like a surprise faster release. Right, Zubair, I'm there with you because I saw people saying that. They're like, oh, that means the game's coming earlier this year. And I'm like, I don't think so. You just left it alone. You'd be like, no, let them think that. Let them think that. Because then we'll drop a trailer with the real release date and everyone's going to lose their dadgum minds. That'll be the headline. That's, that's PR you can't pay for. Is surprising everybody with a faster release date? I mean, that's that would have been that would have been like primo PR to have the entire gaming industry and you know the people writing the articles and the blog posts, all of those people would have been like, dude, we thought this game was coming out late this year. What a surprise this turned out to be, right? 
<clears throat> you're correct. The re- uh, you correct the report because it could be seen as misleading investors. There's always that angle. Which is even more interesting, Eugene, because when we did the video, I made a video where I said, look, Star Wars Outlaws will be good. That was that was the name of the video, right? It's a series that we want to do periodically. Like, if I think a game is going to be good, then... You know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. I'm like, look, man, I I think this game I think this game's gonna do it. Well, in my research for that game, it they they said in an earnings report or an earnings call or something that they were moving a big game to the end of the year or to later in the year. It was something like that. It was some kind of a phrase like that, and it was like, oh. They feel that they can move Star Wars Outlaws to later in the year. They, they feel they can do that. Well, here's the thing. I saw that as a positive because what that meant was they were being given the freedom from somebody somewhere to have a more flexible release date. And after what happened with Jedi Survivor, I thought, this is good. This is good news. But then yesterday happened, and at first I thought, that's great news. It's coming late 2024. We already thought that based on an earnings report. Cool. Confirmation. That's great. Because originally, I think folks were, again, this is again this is an internal thing or rumors. I, I can't remember where this came from. But there were thoughts that the game was going to be out early this year. And then when that earnings report hit, it was like, nope, they pushed it. It was like an internal delay and it didn't seem like it was related to problems or polish it seems like it was related purely to the financials of we can afford to do this let's do this let's bump let's bump to later in the year where investors told to expect star wars game in the first half of the year i'm not going to be able to find the article now i'll have to pull up my my show note um shoot those weren't show notes because that was an upload i don't save my upload notes um let me see if I can find it in my in my Chrome history. Um, let me see if I can find it because that's a fairly recent video that we did. What to expect? Here it is, December twenty sixth. Star Wars Outlaws pushed a later twenty twenty four release it. Okay, I've got the article here. Star Wars News dot uh, Star Wars News Net dot com. Okay, now. This was uh, released in an earnings figure from Ubisoft. The report goes over the company's financial performance for fiscal year 2023-2024. And the report states that great financial confidence for the rest of the year. And because of this, Ubisoft announced the decision to move a large game to fiscal year 2024-2025 to maximize its value creation. They wrote the following. The overperformance in quarter two and the current positive momentum of Ubisoft's brands build confidence for the rest of the year. The company can therefore confirm its announced guidance of strong top line growth and non-IFRS operating income of approximately 40 million euro without releasing the other large game it had initially planned to launch during the last quarter of the current fiscal year. Well, that would have been March. That was the plan. The company has decided to launch this other large game in fiscal year 2024 to 2025 so as to maximize its value creation. So I guess that is somewhat saying. And a five bomb from CrossFit Nerd, the first five bomb of the day. Thank you so much, dude. Taking us to eight members. 
Appreciate you, homie. If you guys just got a gift, remember, be sure to say thank you to CrossFit Nerd and consider upgrading if you want to come to all the extra content but as a gifted member there's a daily members only Q&A session in this stream as well as monthly community game nights that you can be a part of IFRS is European accounting standards just for anyone wondering what that meant okay thank you so I don't so this to me sounds like they're talking about Star Wars Outlaws because what other uh UB's financials run April to March, right? Yes. Yeah. What other big game could they have been originally planning to launch in March of this year if it's not Star Wars Outlaws? What what other game? There's nothing else announced. I mean, unless they were going to like surprise us with Assassin's Creed Red. I highly doubt that. They've not shown us anything. Yo, we got a bit of a five gifted member train going. Another five gifted comes in from Wired Rope. Thank you so much. Tag teaming with the other five bomb from CrossFit Nerd. Anybody else want to jump on this train? Let's move the number. Appreciate you guys so, so much. It's disappointing that it's now late 2024 for me. Was really hoping for that early release because of Light No Fire releases at the end of this year. I'll have a hard time splitting between the both. Pandora? Pandora's already out. Unless they're considering Heartland a big game? No. Their mobile game? I don't think... I I just don't think so. Yeah, March of this year. So in two months, their fiscal year ends. And they were planning on launching a big game in the last month of that fiscal year, which is March of this year. So they were planning on dropping something huge. As they describe it, a large game. The other large game. It was initially planned to launch during the last quarter of the current fiscal year, which would have probably... I guess I said last month. Sorry, last quarter, which would have been... The quarter that we're currently in, that 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 I guess that's anywhere. It wouldn't have been January, I don't think. So it'd have been February or March. I can't think of any other game that that would have been. There's nothing else that's been announced to the degree that, that Star Wars Outlaws has been announced. So, if this report and the speculation about this is correct, they were targeting this quarter for Outlaws, and they bumped it to the next fiscal year. Now, what that doesn't mean is, I don't think that means that the game is going to roll over into 2025. It just means they didn't feel the need to push it out in the current fiscal year. They were like, no, let's save that for next fiscal year. Skull and Bones? No way. There's no way they're talking about Skull and Bones. I mean, unless Skull and Bones gets delayed again. Fire shirt. Thank you so much, Broken Lobo. X Defiant seems to be having COD troubles. Yeah, I can't think. Yo, it's good kicking in with Timmy B. I can't think that they would be referring to Skull and Bones as a, as a large game. It's not a large game. It's it's not going to be a large game. They have to be looking at the projections around that game, and they know. They they, they know what the heck just happened. Butters, what did you type? Butters says, this is why reading in between the lines is stupid. The billboard in The Great Gatsby had nothing to do with anything. So Gatsby is a banned word? 
Why? Why is that particular word a problem according to our Discord bot? That is really weird. Any internal projections that they have for Skull and Bones cannot have that game classified as a large game. There's no way. They, in, listen, I've not seen the internals on it, but they're probably hoping to break even there. Yo, kicking it with Timmy B, jumping back in as a Reforge writer. Thank you so much for doing that. Yeah, it's the ship battle game. That's right, Marcus. Good to see you, Marcus. I see them wanting to get Skull and Bones out of the way before the start of the new fiscal year. I, I agree with that 100%, D-Tom. Get that game out of the way. We have to figure out how to say that that word is fine. I don't know how we do it. Can I upgrade to Writer's Room on mobile if I use the browser? You gotta use the browser on an... If you're on an iPhone, you gotta use the browser and you gotta request the desktop site. You can't do it through the mobile app. You might even have to delete the mobile app because the browser will keep trying to open it. If you guys are just tuning in and you're enjoying the show, hit subscribe if you want to talk in the chat. Subscribing is totally free. Appreciate you guys tuning in to discuss this. As the uh, the gaming news uh, the gaming news cycle is a little dry right now, we're gonna have to wait a couple of weeks, and then things are probably gonna heat up. We're hearing rumors that we are gonna get an Xbox Developer Direct, which I actually thought was a pretty high likelihood after the success of last year that they would do that again. Uh, there's also you know other potential game announcements and things coming because you know more gameplay, more interviews, more previews, things like that. Prince of Persia is coming out this month as well. Oh, you're off work today, Marcus. Okay. That's why you're typing so much. You're not you uh you drive, don't you? You do you do something with driving. Uh got rained out, no driving. Right, there it is. Yeah, see, I knew I knew you did something with driving. Kicking it with Timmy B says had to re up. I'll look into VIP perks this Friday. Really? VIP is great, but what we really need all members to do, especially gifted members, we need them to upgrade to the Reforged Rider. It's $1. It's a $6 membership instead of 5 That's That's the push we need this year to really to really help us do what we want to do with the extra content, with Friday nights. That's, uh, that's going to be extremely helpful to us. So, there's a way to do it without deleting the app. Yeah, I just, it might be easier. <laughs> it might be easier. Um... Assassin's Creed Red, maybe? So you think they had plans to just drop AC Red, like, in in the next couple of months, and then they decided to push it? Yes, sir, Ready Mix? That's right. I thought it was Cement. Reforge Rider is 100% worth it. Thank you, kicking it with Simmy B. Id Software is rumored to be, rumored to be developing an Xbox-exclusive Mandalorian game. We've seen a lot of rumors about a Mandalorian game. I'll believe it when I see it. Not because I don't think it could be amazing or that id Software would kill it. It's just one of those things where we've we've got a lot of false trails on a Mando game. Remember there was like leaked footage of the game and it was totally made up and and, and like a fan faked everybody out with it. I'm worried that we're getting a lot of false trails there. You hear it slated for 2024? Wait, you hear what slated for 2024? AC Red? Is there a tier where Lono can just DM me a summary of his opinions so I know what to think? (laughs) 
No, no, that's I don't have that. <laughs> that's you'd have to. We don't do cameo. I guess like you could pay for a cameo and it'd be like, here's what you need to think about this. All right, <laughs> this this is this is how you should think about this particular subject. <laughs> uh. Uh, Shrink and me, Indiana Jones. Yo, Biggie Smalls keeping the member train going, and he gives a member. Thank you so much, Biggie, taking us to 14 members on the day. Every 25, I give five. We want to get as many people in that funnel as possible, man. VIP opinion tier. Yeah, apparently. I've, I've been having trouble getting comfortable getting that. Where you know, you're, you can't just, you just can't sit. Like, I want to, like, I cross my legs, I uncross my legs. I don't know what it is can't get comfortable anymore in this chair the chair feels fine it's like my legs i was sitting on the couch last night and i kept uncrossing and crossing my legs what is happening ready makes a cement concrete so all good okay that's what i thought i was like i feel like it's a cement truck yo what's good brap happy new year to you sir good to see you if they don't make a mando game disney is truly lost I mean, it'd be so easy. He slowly upgrades and gets new gear. <laughs> you know, you got a little little guy following you around. You got to protect. Hey, Cheese figured it out. Cheese is now a Reforged writer. There you go. Restless leg syndrome. I don't think that's it. I think that happens at night, isn't it? You're losing it? I am. I'm freaking losing my mind. <laughs> Yo, good morning, Def Lloyd. How are you? Does the cement truck have to deal with weird angular momentum effects from the drum spinning when full? Yeah, does it affect the the what's that what's that thing where you turn really fast in the racing game that I didn't know about? The, the is it it's it's not caper, it's not candor, it's oh frick, it's something like that. Um Did you see what Jaffa say did you mean to say Jaffy what Jaffy say Bobby should replace Phil he was being satirical right he wasn't being serious saying that Jaff that that, that Bobby Kodak should replace Phil the only thing Bobby Kodak should replace is well I'm not gonna say anything Lono, I got hooked on your channel because it's an honest discussion about all things gaming the community has been awesome you guys are great I appreciate that Marcus thank you Camber. Dang it. I was about to say candor, and I knew that wasn't right. I was like, that's that's not it. Candor, you know? Had a very rude candor. And that's the angle of the wheels relative to the ground, relative to a vertical line. Yo, D-Tom with 28 months and a reforged rider. He says, here's to a great 2024. Thanks for everything you and Creature do. I appreciate that, D-Tom. Loan of the Switch 2 and the PS5 Pro will dominate sales of 2024. Yeah, maybe. I mean, either the Switch Switch 2 is going to be... I actually am more concerned about getting my hands on that than the PS5 Pro. I feel like I'll get a PS5 Pro easier than a Switch 2. You're trying. I appreciate it. I really am. I'm trying to learn these things, you know? You know? I, I, uh, I, I, know, I know nothing about cars. I know where to put the gas and... You know, I know how to put air in the tires. Everything else, I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Somebody else has got to do that. Bobby Kodak is a shrewd businessman. If he replaced Phil, Xbox would make money immediately, and Game Pass would be gone. There would be so many... St- <laughs> you have any idea how many studios that man would shut down if he was suddenly in charge? He'd be like, 
there's way too many of you. You're all fired. I want to say toe, but I knew that wasn't it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Been missing a lot of streams lately myself. Love the morning streams. Yo, thank you so much, games we love. Listen, guys, if I'm ever not on your YouTube homepage, always check your subscriptions tab. You know, YouTube's been making some really, really weird changes. I've been getting really weird videos on my homepage. Um, I, I don't know what's going on. And then the back end has been a mess. So make sure and always check that subscriptions tab. We are always here Monday through Friday in the morning, from you know 9:30 Eastern till about noon every day doing doing a stream. Uh, I don't have an upload today, so we'll be going directly to the writers' room. That's like an hour away though, and you can still take advantage of the members Q and A. We'll be doing that in about 30 minutes, and that is something that everybody can take advantage of. Gives you a little sample. You know, maybe you'll consider upgrading to Reforged Writer if you like getting that extra, you know, almost exclusive content. I've had the weirdest recommendations. Yeah, I'll have videos recommended to me. Like, I've seen videos with, like, a, a single view recommended to me. I had a video the other day. It was, like, a week old, and it had a single view, one view. It was like, what is this? It was like, <laughs> like, not that it can't be a good video, but why is YouTube thinking that that's a video that should be recommended based off of, like, one person viewed it? I was like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> If Bobby took over, there'd be 40 studios working on COD. Oh, no, I don't think that. I don't I don't think that. I, I think we're better off without him. If, if, there, if there's a silver lining to that acquisition, because I, you know, I, don't, I don't think acquisitions of that scale are good, but if there's a silver lining, it's that... <laughs> it's that Bobby's gone. It may have been a fire video. I, I'm not doubting that it could have been a good video. But the way that YouTube makes recommendations is based off of how a video is performing. They have no data. It's got a single view. Guy probably watched his own video. Everybody does that when they're starting out, right? I was like, what? What data did YouTube gather to be like, you really want to watch this? (laughs) It's been seen by a single person, you know? I mean... On the subject of shrewd and business, in the realm of Star Wars games, there's a lot of other Star Wars games planned. And they're all in doubt. There's the there's the KOTOR remake that wasn't and is and isn't and is gonna be made. We don't we don't know. And then what was the one with the really crazy trailer, Eclipse? What's going on with that game? What's going on with Respawn's game? Isn't Respawn working on a game? Isn't Respawn working on a game? Name one thing that I want from PlayStation and Xbox in 2024. I mean, I've already done those streams. Welcome back, Gordon McLennan. If you are one of the few people paying for your own membership and you're not at a Reforged Writer membership or higher, you're going to want to upgrade. It's a buck to upgrade it's six dollars instead of five you're going to want to do that if you want to continue coming to the extra streams and friday nights with madam all right standard level members are basically going to be gifted from here on out which means you get access to daily q a sessions live with me you get access to a monthly community game night if i do a friday night with hilly you get to come to that but the daily writer's room and friday nights with madam is going to now require that tier of membership sony dipped kotor so fast 
But yeah, what is happening with what's happening with all these Star Wars games? I think that's the concern that I have is I feel that and this is kind of happening with the Marvel games as well is Disney's basically like that meme of Kylo Ren shouting more like they're just like more more like let everybody make a freaking game. Quantic Dream has always been dead silent on progress until near ready to announce a date. Yeah, but didn't they release the trailer and then all these reports came out about problems? Right? I'm not saying their silence is the problem. I never want anybody to think that. Silence is not a concern. I literally tweeted an article the other day. I can't even remember the outlet that it was from, but they were like, they should just show the Horizon multiplayer game so that people know it's okay. And I'm like, Speaking of okay, are you okay? Why would you argue that? What? Since when does a developer just show the project so that everybody's like, it's okay, we're making it. Like, no, you don't show us anything until it's ready. I Silence is never a concern. If they're not saying anything, my hope is that they're working on the project. They don't have to keep talking to us. They're not. They're not like some content creator hey guys here's a little weekly update for you you know we're uh, in year two of a five-year dev cycle nobody wants to see that there's nothing to see that would be worth seeing because whatever you see potentially won't even be in the game when it comes out it's like it's too early way too early Naughty Dick Dog did that and it backfired yeah they're like yeah we're making this online game and you're like sweet I was like, what is that from? I couldn't remember that scene from Horizon Zero Dawn. So no, I, I'm I'm not I am not worried about silence. But with with what happened with Star Wars Eclipse, they released the trailer, and then everyone all of a sudden in the weeks that follow were like, Yeah, Project is in trouble. And then we start hearing about Kotor. Every other month there's a it's been cancelled. No, it's been rebooted. Nope, it's been restarted. Nope, it's cancelled. No, somebody else is working on it now. There's no way. I don't even like doing videos about that because I'm like, I have no idea what's going on with this game. No one does. Now, I'm not worried about the respawn Star Wars game. They haven't said or shown anything. Keep it that way. Keep it that way. Brap says, if they showed it and it didn't meet expectations, they would say, why do they show this if it wasn't ready? Exactly. I think there's a market reality happening. I think the market reality is budgets have gotten too big and marketing windows have gotten too long. And they're interrelated. And I think you're going to see marketing windows get smaller and smaller. You're going to see a gameplay debut or a trailer debut and the game's going to come out within 12 months. I think that's going to become far more common. Now, you might get a teaser trailer. Let's take, um, what would be a good game? Blade is a great example of this. Blade drops its announcement trailer and we're hearing from Grub and others that game ain't coming until 2027. I would question announcing something, you know, Four years before it's going to come out, but, you know, at least if they do that and then they don't show anything for four years, I'm fine with that. 
if we literally go announcement, dead silence, here's gameplay reveal, games coming out in six or seven months, I'm totally fine with that. I do question the wisdom of these announcement trailers that seemingly are jumping the gun, you know? Hellblade announced itself in 2019. It's like, why? What was the point of that? You know? I, I don't think we need those announcement trailers so, so early. I think the announcement trailers can start coming maybe two years before the game comes out, and then you can start showing gameplay and do premieres and, and, and do interviews in your marketing push when you're in the final 12 months. Spider-Man 2 was a good example of that. The reveal trailer was two years ago, then basically silent until this year. Right, I just said that. Like, if you want to do an announcement trailer, you know, two years before the game comes out, yeah, sure, go ahead. I don't think that's that big of a deal. I think when you're two years away from releasing, you've got a better idea of when it's going to come out, and you're like, okay, yeah, we could do the trailer now. Game's probably going to come out in, you know, 24 to 28 months. Okay, cool. And then when you get within the 12-month window of release, that release date should be fairly locked in when you're in the final year. And then start marketing. And then whatever you show is going to be way closer to the product. Like, what they showed us from Star Wars Outlaws, I'm like, I mean, if that game is coming out a year later, after we saw it, roughly, year to a year and a half later, I I have to think that it's going to look a lot like what we saw. It's not going to be this watchdog's rug pull like we've experienced in the past. A full KOTOR remake in the way that we want probably requires a full 200 million development budget, and no one seems willing to write that check. I think it can make sense for a brand new IP to show progress or updates earlier than 12 months because you're building interest and a runway leading up to launch. I don't disagree with what you're saying, Nova, but I feel like it's just just so full of risk. It's very, very full of risk. And I know games are doing it. I know there's games like... What's the game? What's the MMO? What's that MMO? Is it Pillars of Eternity? No. No, 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 no. What's the game? Is that it? There's an MMO in Unreal, and they keep doing like little updates here and there. Is it Pillars? Do I have the name right? We covered it a few times. I think I've got the name wrong. No, I've got the name wrong. What's that MMO? It's on it's in Unreal. PvP is going to be on all the time. It's a passion project. Yeah. Uh, shoot. I completely am blanking on the name of that game. We covered it once because they were they were doing something with the Unreal Ashes of Creation. That's it. Thank you. Shiny red flag with a single gifted member takes us to 15 out of 25. Tempting Somebody to drop that 10 bomb and seal the deal. We'll see if anybody takes the bait. Thank you, shiny red flag. Yeah, so like Ashes of Eternity is an example of a game doing that. You know, little updates here and there, right? I I think that can work, especially for a game that you're going to need a, in an invested audience. You're going to need people to be like, yo, I want to play that game. Maybe people are even providing feedback. You had two uh, names in your head at the same time. Yeah, it's it's like all these game names. 
rattling around in your brain. You're you're like, you know, Ashes of Exile, Path of Creation, what? I it's, you know. Yeah, yeah, the day before. <laughs> um that one's human game, dude. That game's gonna take off because of the day before, dude. The day before is the best thing that ever happened in that game. Exile Fall? Is that is that the name of it? The point being is I think if Star Wars Outlaws comes out this year, whether it's in the middle of the year or late in the year, you know, wherever it ends up landing, let's just assume the game's at quality. Joker Quinn bumps the line and makes sure that if there is a 10 bomb, it's going to be an agent of chaos. Thank you so much, Joker Quinn. 16 out of 25 members. I appreciate that. Let's just assume, let's just imagine, let's not assume, let's imagine that Star Wars Outlaws comes out at quality. It's good. It runs well. It, you know, it doesn't have any major issues. There's no signs of a rushed launch. Okay. I would say that's like a perfect marketing. They handle the market perfectly. They handle the marketing perfectly. They show up in the summer of 2023 blow everybody's minds like what where did this game come from we knew they were building a game this is the first time we saw it in the middle of 2023 and then a year to a year and a half later the game drops to let's say critical acclaim by the way if you guys are enjoying the show we've been streaming for about an hour and a half man smash that like button let's set our sights on 300 likes we're about to hit 200 Let's go for the next milestone. Appreciate it so so much. I appreciate you guys supporting the channel during one of the during one of the dry spells in gaming news. We're still doing a show and we're still having a great time, and it's because of you guys, and I appreciate that. Prior Star Wars game is still having mixed performance and a new one on the way. Well, to be fair, it's a different developer. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like it, it, Jedi Survivor has nothing to do with Star Wars Outlaws. Completely different developers. But to your point, if Disney, if Disney's just absolutely pushing and they're driving and they're saying these games must come out, these these games have to hit these deadlines, then what you're saying is is going to be common. The last Star Wars game is still not working that great, and you're already launching another one. I th- that'll be the, that'll be the, the turnstile of Star Wars games. That'll be a that'll be a sad day. That'll be a sad story. I'll tell you what more than likely is going to happen. It's going to be like the Star Wars TV shows. It's going to be like the Star Wars TV shows. You're going to have games that land like Andor. I'm hoping that that Star Wars Outlaws is one of those games. You're gonna have you're gonna have games that land like Andor, but then you're gonna have games that land like Obi Wan Kenobi, where you can clearly see that it was rushed, or you can clearly see that you know Obi Wan was, I think, one of the greatest evidences of get this thing done, and so they hire, you know. C-level writers and directors to handle one of the greatest Star Wars characters in history. I love the shirt. Is it custom? You can actually order this at reforgegaming.net. It is merch. 
Thank you so much for the $2 super chat tip, uh, Skatenator. I, I think that's what's going to happen with the Star Wars games. I think when you push this level of cadence, I think what you're going to end up with is games that come out when they shouldn't have Jedi Survivor. And I believe that's what happened with Obi-Wan. They wanted Obi-Wan to come out at a certain time, and they made it happen. You know? And a 10 bomb from Charles Freeman! And he does it! He slams us past 25 just like that. So, so generous. An agent of chaos and a 10 bomb wrapped in one takes us right to 26. And now we're on our way to 50. I now owe you guys five members. I will do that right before the members only Q&A. We'll be doing that in about 20 minutes. And if you guys... If you guys want to come to all the extra content, it's now very easy for you to do that. You have a membership. You can upgrade it to the $6 membership, and it's only a dollar. Hey, guys, uh, double-check your likes because I we, we've been having this issue. The like count didn't move, so make sure your like is counting. I, I've, I've been having to do that on videos that I watch. I watch you know, some of Doc Dark's videos or like Gold or something. And it's like my likes aren't counting. I said something about likes and the like count didn't move. That's gotta be a that's gotta be a glitch. So double check, make sure YouTube's not being squirrely. It was being this it was doing this yesterday on the premiere. It was like it showed two likes and then I refresh and it showed hundred and four. And I was like, what is going on here? You feel like Heartland is gonna flop? There was internal discussions that seemed like they were going to bake Heartland into another game. Um it seemed like they were going to bake Heartland in into another game. It does it's a mode. Heartland is not a game, it's a mode, and I don't think modes can survive. I think the success of Battle Royales has given a lot of developers hubris and they think that well our mode can do that too and it's like no it can't. Nope. Naughty Dog learned that lesson. You want to learn that lesson too, Ubi? I Battle Royales are not just a game mode. Do it. Try and launch an incredibly thoughtful, well-built, super creative, substantive capture the flag and see how long it lasts. Try it. Oh, but our game is different. It's a survival extraction. Nobody cares. It's a mode. It's a mode. It's meant to supplement a game and a content loop. It's not meant to be a game. It's not meant to. You 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 can't do that. You know, and I, I I'm telling you right now, I, what happened in Fortnite Battle Royale 2017, 2018, and 2019 put a lot of projects in motion that have no business being built. They have no business being built. Finals is just a mode. Yeah, we'll see if that game is still around in a year. How many of these games have risen and fallen so fast? They're here. Everyone loves them. They can't even, they don't even have enough servers for capacity. And then gone. Grand opening, grand closing. It's it's happened with Battle Royales. It's happened with it's happened with games like Splitgate. It's like they're here and then they're gone. Like people play them and then they throw them away because Staying power with a game mode is, I think, a, an absolute fool's errand. It's a fool's errand. What do you? What, what's going to make you keep coming back? 
what's the meta progression what's the what's the reason now battle royales people keep coming back because there is some unique cocktail of experiences and emotions and things that that, that just are that just happen in that realm but a mode or like just an arena shooter oh come on it, they stand no chance they stand no chance You've got to be able to tap into something very unique and special. You know, Valorant taps into, the, you know, the CSGO and the Overwatch, you know, love and hype. And, you know, Overwatch crashes and burns, so that probably helped. And, you know, it's Riot, so you've got that in your corner as well. I just think it's very, very difficult for a mode to survive. I Finals feels fresh like a Battle Royale's. Whether it's the finals or X Defiant, I think the proof will be in the pudding. I'm not saying that it can't happen. I'm saying it's a fool's errand, meaning if you make it, you're going to walk past eight corpses of games that didn't make it. That That's what I think. A five spot from Prime Bacon says, if you have any faith in an upcoming Ubisoft title, you need to really cleanse your palate for video games. I'm, I'm not sure what you mean. Like, I don't... I just don't think modes... They just don't have any staying power. It's a, it's a mode. I... I don't know. The attention span... You're dealing with people who are en- engaging with the medium that actively harms their attention span. <laughs> Uh, finals combines BR, hero, shooter, and arena. It will last as long as they protect and maintain the game. I'm just going to say maybe. We have been here before. The new game is always as shiny as a brand new nickel. And then eventually, it's on the ground. And nobody's bothering to pick it up. It's like, we've, we've, we have been here before so many times. And... There are there are so many intangibles. It's like well, you got you got games like Warzone, you got games like Fortnite, you know, Apex actively making it hard to keep people. Because all it takes is a new season or a new this or a new that, and then a lot of the people playing your game are gonna go back to where they were before. And then all of a sudden your player base isn't as strong and the money's not as strong. And all of a sudden it's looking kinda dim, it's looking kinda dark. And then your game's done. If you blanketedly assume something from a publisher is bad, maybe cleanse yours. What did you guys think about my theory? Why Ubisoft games are automatically either hated or looked at with like cynicism and skepticism. What I essentially argued was, and I argued this once with Destiny, very recently, and I call it baked-in familiarity. What baked-in familiarity is is when you come back to a new season, you run the content a couple of times, and all of a sudden, you're like, I've done this before. I've interacted with an NPC like this before. I fought a boss like this before. Now, that is not an automatic objective diminishment of the game's quality, but what it is is 
it's death by a thousand paper cuts. You're slowly but surely being like, I'm bored. It, I, it used to take me a week to get bored. It used to take me two weeks to get bored. It used to take me a month to get bored. I'm bored after a day now. Why? That familiarity, bro, it's baked in. Familiarity breeds contempt. And the quicker you feel like you've done something before, the quicker you're going to say, I don't feel like doing this anymore, or I'm bored, or I'm annoyed, or whatever. All it takes is a bad run, or, or, or a failed a failed attempt at something, and you're like, I'm sick of this. And I think the minute you do that in a Ubisoft game, you say, I've done this before. Grant Gooch says, that's exactly it. You climb one tower, and you're like, yep, it's a Ubisoft game, right? It didn't happen for me in Avatar uh, Frontiers of Pandora until I was hunting. And I was like, I've done this before. They still make this more annoying than it should be. And it didn't drive me away from the game, but it definitely was like a... Logging in the next time was, uh, you know, was a little less exciting. Because I was like, well, if I want to complete that thing I was working on, I've got to go try to hunt this thing again. And it's just not very fun. And I've done it before and I feel like the minute people sense that in Avatar it's why all the scores dropped I think that's what happened to Liza P Liza P has great review scores on Steam and the Playstation 5 because the people that bought it got what they were looking for and the review outlet said smells a little too much like FromSoft I've done this before I've been in a game that looks like this before. And they knocked it down a peg. Undeservedly so. But familiarity. Baked in familiarity. It was like there was just enough there that looked like, talked like, smelled like a FromSoft game that they said, yeah, this game game is not as good as I was hoping it would be. I was hoping it was going to be, you know, unique or new or whatever. And the minute you play an Assassin's Creed and the minute you play uh, an Avatar, because it used a lot of the ideas and systems from a Far Cry, you're like, yeah, I've done this before. This game sucks. You're not incorrect. I don't think you can change the way that you've experienced games. But I think what this does is it creates this lean and this bent in the community where it's like, you know what, Ubisoft? We've played Assassin's Creed before. How many have you made? We've played Far Cry before. How many have you made? We've played your games before. Do something new. And this is where Star Wars Outlaws is going to have to really, really attempt to avoid that. You're going to have to really, really avoid that. Because if we land on Tatooine in Star Wars Outlaws, we pull that map open. It smells like Assassin's Creed, or it feels a little bit like Far Cry. Boy, the the images are going to hit Twitter. The review outlets are going to be like, big ambition but all too familiar like that'll be the name of somebody's review Star Wars Outlaws had big ambitions but it feels a little all too familiar that's what'll happen it's not a 
it's not an assessment of the game's quality. It's somebody saying, I've I've experienced some of these things before. You can dress it up in Star Wars or Avatar all you want. But, mm-mm, I've played this before. Now, I don't actually know who's right and who's wrong in this scenario. Because it's like a hive mind. It's like, well, we've just arrived at this point where large portions of the gaming community have played a ton of Assassin's Creeds and a ton of Far Cries. And Ubisoft is supposed to what? Throw out the baby with the bathwater and be like, yeah, we can't do any of that anymore because we're, we're going to get ridiculed for it. We're going to get a lot of heat. So... As much as I'm interested in looking forward to Star Wars Outlaws, and as much as I actually think it's going to be a good game, I think the biggest question mark for me is how much of the game will look and feel like other Ubi games? That's what I think. I, I'm, I'm genuinely curious about that aspect of it. Because I think that's going to determine an awful lot game could look great, run great, be super polished. And if it's if it's if it's a little bit too familiar to if it's a little bit too familiar to you know open world games like Assassin's Creed or Far Cry, then I think people are going to have an issue. Now, I think what's already in its corner from what we've seen is is that the com- the, the, the gameplay is really varied. You've got like sneaky stealth, you've got shootouts, you've got some melee, you've got huge open landscapes and vistas and you're on your speeder, you've got narrative-driven, character-driven scenes, you've got outer space, you've got space combat, space travel. A lot of that should help. It should. And be like, okay, okay, this feels a little bit like a Ubisoft game, you know, the map and the icons and blah, 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 but the gameplay's great and the story's cool and I really like speeding around and I really like going into outer space. According to this guy, the console could launch at $400 to $100 higher than the Switch launched at and there's a chance its games could adopt the $70 pricing. Who is this person? Development kits are in the hands of developers. Talking about the new Nintendo Switch. Time is finally here for the Switch successor, even though I can say a pro model actually did exist and certain developers were already working with the dev kit. I believe the next hardware will drop in 2024 for 400 bucks. There's a high chance games will cost 70 The next system is also likely to be an iteration rather than a revolution. Nintendo might add some bells and whistles to the device, but it'll be similar to the current Switch. And because there is Pokemon and Pokemon associated with handheld gaming, there is no way on earth Nintendo will drop the portability feature. None of this is worrisome to me. This is exactly what a lot of us have predicted. The next Switch is going to be very much an uptick of the previous. Not this powerhouse. They're not going to jettison portability. They're not. And they're not going to suddenly be launching a game, you know, a console. It's like talking about like 4K and ray tracing. They're just not going to do that. Why are you playing games from developers who made prior games you didn't like? And if they're games you liked, why are you complaining about it feeling like something that you liked? I think that's a fair question, Eugene. And I think what I would say in return, like if I try to imagine I'm the person 
who, you know, played an Assassin's Creed game and was like, I'm just so sick of this. I think what they would say is there wasn't enough innovation within the game so it just felt like I wasn't playing a new game. I do like Assassin's Creed games, but I wanted a new Assassin's Creed games. This is why I fully accepted their decision to do what they did with AC Origins, AC Odyssey, and AC Valhalla. It was time for a completely new format. Now, AC Valhalla is a tall order because it's such a big game. It's such a dense game. Like Just completing that game alone, it seems like I don't have time for that. My gosh, what a, what a demanding game. However, I feel like that's what a lot of people would say. And the reason I can kind of agree with them saying that is I liked all of the Gears of War games and I got to Gears 4 and I said to myself, this doesn't feel like a new game. I have played this game before. If I wanted to play just another Gears game, I can go play one that I already own. Now, Gears 5, to me, iterated enough and evolved the game enough that I said, this is a new game. I had new things I could do with Jack in the middle of combat. I had open world experiences. I had different things I could interact with, different weapons. They went away from, you know, run like a linebacker, hide, set piece fight. Run like a linebacker, hide, set piece fight. They moved away from that. Now, the end of the game went back to that, like the final stretch. I, it's like the final mission kind of feels that way, but I thought that was okay. The, 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 the 90% of Gears 5 felt like a completely new game. So I, to, to your point, Eugene, yes, I like these games. I wanted to play a new one, and I didn't feel like I played a new one. Like a lot of people would say that when they played Far Cry 3, 4, and 5, that they didn't really feel like they played new games. It was like, okay, this is Far Cry with an angry guy in a pink suit. This is Far Cry with an angry preacher. But I'm basically doing the same thing. In one, I'm hunting tigers. In another, I'm hunting bears. In one, I'm stopping dudes on motorcycles. And in this one, I'm stopping dudes on Vespas. Like, what's the difference? You see what I'm saying? Like, what's the difference? So I think it's a fair criticism for somebody to say, I I feel like I've played this game before, bro. I, I I don't feel like I'm playing a new game. Kind of been here, done that. Been, you know, seen this, done this. So I think it's a fair criticism. But I think the mistake that people make is they go into a game like Avatar Frontiers of Pandora and instead of letting it stand alone, they're like that's from Far Cry that's from Far Cry, that's from Far Cry I'm playing Blue Far I'm playing Blue Far Cry, I'm playing Smurf Far Cry or whatever, you know, people were saying all kinds of stuff Mirage is good, but just keep in mind the melee combat sucks, they took two steps back from Valhalla, but the stealth and all the tools are a lot of fun. Well, it harkens back to the original games. In the original games, you couldn't rely on melee. In you in the original Assassin's Creeds, in AC 1, 2, and Brotherhood, you couldn't be like, oh no, I'm caught. Oh well, I'll single-handedly fight 10 guys. You could in some circumstances. There, there was a bit of a like fight, hit counter fight, hit counter like, you know, Batman obviously borrowed a lot from that. 
but I distinctly remember in the early Assassin's Creed games, like getting discovered was was a, was a pretty serious problem. It wasn't as easy to get out of it. And like AC Origins, you're like, oh no, I've been discovered, and then five seconds later, everyone's dead. <laughs> you just kill everybody. You're like, ah, well, <laughs> Perry, Perry, you're dead. You're dead. You're dead. Got that guy with the bow and arrow. You know, you're basically a Terminator. You and I remember Brotherhood very differently. Maybe not Brotherhood. My memory of AC1, at the very least, AC1 was you couldn't just be like, yeah, if I get discovered, it's no big deal. I'll just fight everybody. It was more punishing to be discovered. It was harder to just, yeah, I'll I'll just rely on, I'll just counter everything. Maybe I'm wrong, but that was my memory of AC1, was that it was not as easy to survive being discovered. And Mirage was basically trying to hearken back to that era of, no, 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 you've got to hide. You've got to be a person in the shadows. You you can't just fight your way out of every problem. (laughs) Counter-kill and chain-killing mad combat was really easy AC 1 and 2 combat was kind of challenging all you had to do was hold down one button in AC 1 it was a really long time ago how long have I been married? I've been married since uh, 2007 can't do the math it's 3 below 20 17 years So I played AC 1 AC 2 and Brotherhood 15 to 16 years ago is when I like binged through. I got to Revelations and I had to take a break. And I it's been so long. I just felt like AC Origins played completely differently. AC Origins was like, well, it was a combat-driven game. It was a stealth game. It was... It was all of the above. It was like an open world action adventure melee based game. It was no longer like a stealth game. I would even say that Black Flag falls into that category. Black Flag doesn't really feel that way. Happy New Year. Y'all love the shirt. Yo, thank you so much, Lido. I appreciate that very, very much. Guys, final 30 minutes of the show is something specifically for members where they can ask me gaming related questions there's a gaming ama at the top of the chat that you can use now that is reserved for members so if you got a gifted membership today that's 26 people you can join in i'm gonna gift the five members that i owe you guys can keep gifting members if you want if you want to pull people out of the chat into this members only q a feel free to keep gifting if we hit 50 i'll owe you five more so If you guys enjoy this type of thing, man, you might want to upgrade to a Reforged Rider. That'll enable you to come to extra content as well. If you like this exclusive access to a conversation with me. And then make sure you are subscribed to the channel. That way that you don't miss out on the content as well. And you can click on the Q&A at the top. And I go to a special room where only those questions show up and Lido again thank you so much for the 23 months and a VIP happy new year he says love the shirt I appreciate that very very much Lido thank you to be fair the combat was never really hard I was thinking more along the lines of it's harder to kill everyone without getting hit 
Yeah, I don't want to make it sound like the combat was hard, but again, I don't think in the early Assassin's Creed games you could be like, no, it's fine, I'll just kill everybody. Like, you couldn't, you you almost were, you were... Okay, I'm not saying you couldn't, but you were disincentivized from doing it. You were disincentivized from doing it. It was more punishing to be discovered in the old games. It's a lot easier now to be discovered. Right? Infinite with 18 months and it's a VIP. Welcome back. Thank you so much, Infinite. Got a question here. If you guys want to use the gaming AMA, it's at the top of the chat. That is for members only. Use that to submit a question. I got one here from Zach Johnson. He says, what will be the biggest disappointment in gaming in 2024 do you predict? Oh, man, you're going to get me in trouble. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest. And 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 the and the reason I think this is I'm gonna say this one because I feel like if I end up being wrong, then that's fantastic. That's a that can be an I was wrong video or I'm loving this game video, right? I actually think Avowed is gonna end up being a disappointment, personally, from everything we've seen, and you know, looking at the, looking at the gameplay and the changes that they made, um. You know, mid-development to be like, yeah, our quest design's not really going to work with co-op. We cut co-op, and the graphics just, I don't know. Lone Wolf says he's going to say Avowed, I knew it. Yeah, I think Avowed is going to be, I think Avowed's going to be disappointing. Now, I think Hellblade 2 can be a shining star. I think Towerborn can be a shining star. I think 33 Immortals, like I think Xbox has a lot in their corner to, to make this year just absolutely it won't falter if Avowed kind of lands. Like, I can see Avowed getting similar scores that we're seeing with Starfield. Like a 7 out of 10 on game on, on Xbox's own platform. A 7 out of 10 and lower than that on Steam. I, I feel like Avowed's gonna, gonna land in that same hemisphere. It's just not gonna be that... Um, I just don't think it's gonna be that impressive. And if I'm wrong fantastic that then that's great like that's one i will readily admit i'm wrong about if it ends up being like a super fun you know obsidian style action arcadey rpg right it's gonna be for pillars of eternity fans right and similarly starfield feels like the people that like it have either never played a fallout or just really wanted another one you know yo what's good snow how are you I think Xbox smaller games will thrive and their larger titles will be disappointing. Fight me. I wouldn't be surprised about that at all. If like 33 Immortals becomes this like crazy big hit. Like what a concept. MMO rating with 33 people and it's a top down. Looks awesome. So I know for a fact I'll get hate for what I just said. I don't care. It's my opinion. Everybody has different opinions. When I look at all the games they have slated this year, that's the one where I'm like, I think that one's gonna I think that one's gonna land in a weak in a weak spot. I do. Um so. uh let's see here. Got questions. Another question here from a member, uh Stone Spire Hall. You guys can use the gaming AMA at the top of the screen. That's for members only. Chat is members only right now. Stone Spire says Outlaws is reported to take place between Empire and Return of the Jedi. Do you think the main character gets involved in the mercenary guilds? I think Jabba the Hutt will be 
the most low-level cameo in Star Wars Outlaws. I think they're going to be... I think they're going to do more significant cameos. I don't think you place a game like that in between Empire and Jedi and not do a bigger cameo than Jabba the Hutt. I think Jabba's the one they're letting us see. I'll make a prediction... I think the one cameo that they could get away with that would be the easiest to do that would also be pretty exciting and would also make sense is Chewbacca. I don't think they're going to want Han Solo. I don't think you're going to want any Jedi. Well, any of the mainstay Jedi. There may be Jedi in the story, but I don't think you're going to want like Luke walking on the scene or something. Yeah, maybe Boba Fett. Maybe IG-88. Maybe one of the bounty hunters... That are, that are there on the Super Star Destroyer with Darth Vader. Are they on the Super Star Destroyer? Or are they on the Death Star? I think they're on the Super Star Destroyer. That's an Empire. Yeah, I, I can't remember where they are. I think it's the Super Star Destroyer. In any case, you could use one of those bounty hunters. But I could definitely see them using Chewbacca. Like, Boba Fett, doesn't Boba Fett show up in... Um, Boba Fett shows up in uh, in freaking Jedi Survivor. Han's not possible. Well, sure, his cameo will be in Jabba's palace. Han's gonna be frozen. If it's between Empire and Jedi, like I just don't think they're gonna focus on Han. I mean, maybe they are. Maybe maybe there's gonna be you know rumors and whispers about how much of a scoundrel he was. And people are going to be like, you don't want to end up like him. Like, they're going to be talking to Kay Vess, and they're going to be like, you don't want to end up like Han. If Han can get caught, then anybody can get caught. You know, maybe he'll be, you know, legendary in the, you know, the seedy underbed of the Star Wars universe or something. But I don't know if they're going to want to focus on him too much. The rest of the people attached to Han could be a subplot to help rescue We did see the Carbonite Han in the trailer. That's right. You do see him. They're walking him to Jabba's palace in the one trailer. That is true. So I would imagine they've got plans. They've got plans to have that be some level of presence in the story. But, you know, Boba Fett shows up in Jedi Survivor if you do enough of the bounty missions, I believe. Um, I, uh... I wanted to go back and do that, but I had to quickly start working through the backlog after I, I've rolled credits on that game. I really liked it, but I just didn't feel like going back and doing the bounties. Um, and I already had that spoiled for me anyway. Uh, nice shirt, man. Thank you. Thank you. Let me go here to another question from the uh, members-only question. Looking forward to Gear 6? I really am. I think Gear 6 could be one of the surprises that is being kind of held under wraps right now because the the Unreal 5 demo that they debuted wasn't that um, Cavern Demo Debut Coalition. That was 2020, was it not? Um, when was that? When did that debut? It wasn't 2022, was it? I thought it was earlier than that. Oh yeah, it looks like it was 2022. But that was a couple of years after they said they were going nose down to do um, to switch everything to Unreal 5. I believe that the coalition went nose down in like 2019. It was either late 2019 
or 2020 where they're like we're going nose down we're converting everything to unreal they come up for air in 2022 and they show this cavern unreal 5 engine debut well it's been two years since then so i would love for that to maybe be a surprise announcement this year maybe show some gameplay i don't know um i imagine it would be open world again i feel like years five kind of nailed the the hybrid design there i feel like it felt good you know it was i feel like it was a good mix to do to do the open world and the set pieces as i said i feel like it got a little set piece near the end um you know but i don't think that was necessarily a bad thing you know i think it felt like more of like a return to classic gears and since it was at the end and not during the entire entirety of the game i feel i feel like it worked uh, Patrick Q with a members only uh, question submitted here to Q&A if you guys click that thing at the top of the chat you can use it to submit a gaming question about pretty much anything we're kind of we kind of break from uh, main main topic here at the end for you guys we got about 20 more minutes of this if you want to gift members it'll enable them to join this Q&A right now I already gifted the five that I owed uh, every 25 I get five so we can still hit 50 we got plenty of time Patrick Q says I've been playing a cool little game called Zero Cyvert which is a single-player PvE extraction shooter. Do you think there's a future for more single-player versions of typically PvP-type games? That's an interesting question because I actually think one of the biggest problems with live service isn't the live service, it's the dependence upon a full funnel. So the minute that you put your game into a position where you need to keep the funnel of players full as soon as you do that okay you are now in a position where you have to do certain things so lurking talk soon okay so you you have to do certain things you've got to have some type of a a FOMO, get people to log in regularly, get people to come back, get them and keep them, get them and keep them. I I have said recently that I think the future of live service games is going with a content-driven model as opposed to a player funnel engagement model. So if you do an update or a DLC or some type of co-op or some type of like more contained multiplayer experience... And you do that, you know, six months after the game comes out, and then six months later you do something else. And you monetize it, you have things for people to buy. I think God of War Ragnarok Valhalla is an interesting experiment to cause a resurgence of interest. All of my God of War short-form content is it got, has gotten tons of engagement in the last two weeks. And they're all ancient. So that free mode caused this stir of interest in the game again, which... It, it was free to the players and it was substantive no money nothing to buy at all um but i think you'll see that more and more i think when you go with a content driven model and you're not falling prey to the tropes of a player funnel engagement model well then do you need to do the battle pass do you need to do fomo do you need to do this like addictive cycle of keeping people in the game so they don't stop playing because if they stop playing then less people will play and less people play matchmaking gets bad and the matchmaking gets bad and less people are going to play and then you're going to make less money and you're going to have to lay people off so you got to keep people playing like oh my gosh everybody wants to get off that merry-go-round I think developers want to get off that merry-go-round I think players want to get off that merry-go-round so it wouldn't surprise me if you start to see like hey extraction shooters are really really enjoyable 
there's a there's a cocktail there of of adrenaline and dopamine that really makes people want to keep playing but do we really need to deal with well got to keep the player funnel full or our game's gonna die so to your point more single player versions or more content driven versions of those types of games where you don't need a bunch of people playing all the time yeah I actually think that's the next iteration Lone Wolf says I'll make a bet that Avowed will be within 5% of Outer World Steam score it'll get mid 80s on open critic I trust Obsidian to make a good game despite being under Xbox I bet 10 gifteds on it listen Lone Wolf I'll take that action I'll take that action I will gladly gift 10 members if the game scores it's that well and is received that well I hope you're right I hope you're right there are people that are already really hyped about it and already really excited about it and I feel like it'll be it'll be one of the disappointments of the year and if it scores poorly and doesn't do well on Steam everyone will just say Xbox tax conspiracy there's a bias on Steam against Xbox there'll be all this nonsense stated and it's like that's just not true nobody's looking at Obsidian and thinking that Hi-Fi Rush did so well on Steam. It, it, it was literally a, a shadow-dropped game during an Xbox developer direct. If there was ever a time where a bias would hurt a game, that game was drenched in Xbox, and it did fine on Steam. It did actually exceptionally well with respect to its review score. Bone Slide Clean says, this is a members-only gaming AMA that people are doing right now. Cyberpunk 2077 campaign has an extremely addictive content loop. If launched poorly, oh, if launched properly, would it have been Game of the Year contender? Sorry if I already answered. Um, yeah, nobody's asked that question before. I think that Cyberpunk Phantom Liberty is the answer to your question. Like, the reception of Phantom Liberty, the nomination and the subsequent award for Phantom Liberty, the nominations that Phantom Liberty got in other categories, I think that's the answer to your question. Yes. Yes. If it would have launched at that level of quality, and it would have been that much closer to what they originally promised, then sure. It would have gotten better critical acclaim, it probably would have gotten Game of the Year nomination. It would have lost. It would, it, would, it would not have won Game of the Year. But it certainly would not have landed and been like removed from a storefront and considered one of the worst game launches in history. You know? I, I, fe- I feel like, again, Phantom Liberty is the answer to your question. It, it, it sort of proves what I'm, what I'm, what I'm claiming. Joker Quinn says, do you have a favorite game dev? And if so, who? Mine is Insomniac. Um, man, that's a great question. I don't think in the realm of game devs quite like that. Um, we need to set a timeline for that open critic review. See Starfield first week versus the second month. Same for Steam. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, yeah, we gotta wait like four weeks to really assess. Four or five weeks. That first week can be so manipulated, as we as we have seen. Um, which is so funny. It's so ironic that P 
people talk about like a conspiracy and manipulation and 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 uh, review bombing, and it's like the literal opposite happened to this game when it came out. It was so protected and so padded, and then as time went on, the real score revealed itself. But you you can't convince anybody of that that likes it. They just think you know, think you're hating or whatever. Outer Worlds' current score on Steam is an eighty-four percent. Yeah, for a long time, I probably would have said that, like, my favorite dev was Gearbox, but then, you know, I think Randy Pitchford, um, I don't think I have anything personally against him. I think there's a lot of people that are just, like, kind of mean and nasty and don't like him, but I actually think Randy Pitchford needs to go. I think he's, I don't think he's good for the company any longer. I think certain people sort of outlive their, I think they outlive their usefulness. And I think he's he, he's done a lot of things that have really hurt the company and hurt their their most valuable property, which is uh, Borderlands. The decision to do Battleborn instead of a Borderlands three, I think, irreparably harmed that brand. We could be on the cusp of an amazing next gen Borderlands four right now, but he didn't want to be known as a Borderlands game dev, and I think that was driven by ego and I think you don't make business decisions driven by ego Um, and so I would have said Gearbox but Borderlands 3 happened um yeah and I mean Hello Games I think I would pick different developers for different reasons like I would say that I love Moon Studios I love both Ori games you know their new game is looking very promising I love Hello Games. I think they are the Rocky Balboa of the gaming development world. You know, the, they're the they're the little guy that everybody doubted, and they stayed in the ring. Um, and they took and they and they they absolutely took down they absolutely took down a giant, which was you know the the negativity of the gaming world at large. They took that head on and beat it. Um, I love Insomniac. I think they do great stuff. I love Gorilla. I love the Decima engine. Santa Monica does great work. I absolutely love Ninja Ninja Theory and Hellblade. I love Melina Jurgens. I think she's she's like a real special person within the gaming world, like what she brought to a character. And it wasn't even it was like almost like a happy accident that she that she ended up being Senua. Um I just can't pick like one dev. It's hard to pick one dev. <clears throat> Why does everybody hate on Borderlands 3? I thought it was fun. Granted, I got all the DLC and stuff uh, packed 20 hours, less invested. No, it was because we waited a really long time for it, and they didn't fix a lot of the problems with Borderlands up to that point. Um, There was a promise about um, item scaling that didn't end up working properly, and I believe it ruins the first playthrough. The end game was in a, a terrible state at the beginning. They basically built a game for the people who grinded the Digistruct peak on Twitch is what they did. Yeah, I can't really say Sucker Punch because I've only played one of their games, but yeah, I love Sucker Punch as well because of Ghost of Tsushima. Stone Spire says, content model versus a player-driven model. Can you explain the difference? I never really understood either. Okay, so think of it this way. In a player engagement funnel model, your goal is to keep a player base. So what you do in order to achieve that is 
all of the trappings that people hate about live service games right now. You either drip feed content and spread it thin. You use FOMO tactics, fear of missing out tactics. You use, you know, things like battle passes and, and, and timed events and, or you recycle content or, you know, whatever the case may be. There's all the trappings and the tropes of a live service game. Why? Because they're motivated by something that's extremely hard to control and dictate. You're trying to keep people in the funnel. If they stop playing, you have lost. You're competing for attention. The most valuable currency in the 21st century is attention. Right? It's one of the reasons why short-form content exists in mass. Because it's, it's the quickest nugget of attention you can get. Sadly... It is, I believe short form content will be the detriment of content consumption. Um, yeah, I think it's too, the doses are too small and you're going to create an entire generation of people that want their, you know, their brain tickled every seven seconds. And yeah, you're going to lower, you're going to lower the intelligence and the attention span of people over the next 25 years and it'll be short-form content that did it. But because of that reality, I think engagement funnel model is just ripe with all those trappings. We, we can't get people to stop. They have to keep playing. They have to keep playing. Okay. And so you do all these things that inadvertently fold back on the game and drive people away. Now, if you go with a content-driven model... Right. Data doesn't support that with every uptick in short form, long form grows as well. You're looking at a very specific subset of information that's driven by a platform that doesn't support any of the science behind what this content's doing to people. I'm talking brain science. I'm not talking data on the back end of YouTube. That that's different because that's that's algorithmically driven. Um and so those results are very suspicious. Those results, I don't think, are deterministic of like what's going to happen to humanity. Like you got to think about you know ten year olds right now that are like bleh, 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 like what's going to happen to their brain? What will they be like when they're twenty? It's not a pretty sight. A five bomb from Mipsy. Thirty one members on the day. We're a twenty bomb away from Agent of Chaos fifty, and then I'll have to give five all these people that are getting memberships right now. You guys can jump in to the Q&A session we're doing right now with members. Um, A content-driven model doesn't live or die on if people stop playing. It doesn't. Because a content-driven model assumes that they will. It will. You just assume people are going to stop playing. And a content Mipsy comes in and does the 20 bomb himself. Absolutely incredible. Takes us all the way to 51 members on the day. Both the setup and the slam home and the agent of chaos. This man bringing the heat. Every single one of you people that just got a gifted member can enjoy this members only Q&A we're doing right now. You can click 
the Q&A. It's a gaming AMA at the top of the screen. I now owe you five more members. Mipsy is going to help us drag this Q&A out a little bit longer. We want to give people an opportunity to use that perk, and we don't have an upload to go to. So I'll give you maybe, you know, maybe 10 more minutes, maybe 15 more minutes than I had planned. But a content-driven model assumes that people will stop playing. It assumes it. It's like, yeah, they're going to stop playing. Look at God of War Ragnarok as an example. They they knew. Do, do you think that like Santa Monica was like, oh no, the data shows that in November of 2023, people aren't playing our game anymore. They're playing less. No one was shocked by that. The new really weird, there's so many things I want to call it. It's such a weird take that one and done games is now a pejorative. What, what where did that come from? What, what are you talking about? It's like grasping at anything to denigrate games that either you can't play or represent the side you don't like or rates are just one and done games. What the frick is the matter with that? In one breath, we're like, oh, I'm sick of live service games. Live service games are going to kill the industry. Oh, me. And look at Sony doing all those live service games. And then the next breath, <laughs> look at all those one and done games. What? What? what okay, well, what, what do you want? What kind of a game do you want? If live service is the death of the industry and one and done games is now a pejorative, what games are you playing? What are you playing? It's stupid. It's stupid. Call it what it is. It's stupid. My point is, is that a content driven model assumes this isn't a problem. People are going to stop playing our game because that's reality. You know, you're not going to keep people in any game for forever, in perpetuity. It's not possible. So, content-driven model says, I'll tell you what we do. We deliver excellent content six months later, a year later, brings people back. And guess what that does? The game feels fresh. The game feels new. Oh, I forgot what it was like to throw this axe and catch the axe and do all this stuff. Oh, I, I, mi- I missed this game. Do you know why you're feeling that? Well, you had this nice break. You had this nice window of time. You're engaging with the content in a healthy way instead of like, I gotta run my strikes and I gotta do my bounties and I gotta check the boxes and if I don't do that, then I, I won't complete my battle pass. And, oh, the new season started and oh, I gotta grind. I gotta be raid ready and, and, and if I fall behind, my buddies are doing this trick where they're getting better drops than me. Oh my gosh. Of course you're irritated. Of course you're burned out because you're never taking a break. The happiest people that I ever interacted with that played Destiny would basically play the opening month of a season and then they would just stop and they would play other games for a month or two. And then they'd come back and things would feel fresh. What they were doing is they were they were elongating the the those hits of familiarity. Okay, they were they were putting space there. Mipsy says, just graduated with a master's in information technology, spreading the love for Reforge Gaming. Masters of gaming discussions. Thank you so much, Mipsy, and congratulations. On your, uh, on your new degree. So I think content-driven model is the future. I think what they're going to say is, it's like, okay, 
let's take Assassin's Creed Red as a test case. We built this huge world. It took us, you know, five or six years to build this huge world. We've got enemy types. We've got, we've got questing design. We've got this map. We've got these characters. We've got these animation sets. I mean, it's just a great game. Let's just say it's a great game. I think it makes way more sense to be like, why don't we get people to come back in six months with content and monetize it, have some way to make money off of it, you know? I think co-op, I I, I feel like online co-op is is, is is a key here. You get people to come back. I mean, they did it with Returnal. They added they added that, you know, that probably caused a bump in sales. It, ca- it caused a bump in relevancy. Like, hey, come back and play the game. Then they had, I don't know why they did co-op at the same, same time of Tower of Sisyphus, and you can't play Tower of Sisyphus with another person, but... That's a whole other discussion. So I think content-driven model is... You're basically hearkening back to the days of DLC. But I think you have to lace it with a little bit of live service. Just a little bit. Come back and play with another person. Come back and do this thing with other people. Something like that. Yo, CrossFit nerd wants to keep it going and takes us to 56 members on the day. Thank you so much. Setting up another 20-bomb Agent of Chaos dunker to take us to 76. Thank you so much, CrossFit nerd. I would owe five more. (laughs) Thank you so much. That's just a return to the old DLC models. But here's the difference, though, Eugene. I think the difference is it can't just be Come buy our story pack. I I, I don't I, I don't think that's the key. If there ha- I think there has to be a social component. I think there has to be a social component. This is why I think when we saw Insomniac's roadmap, it was well, let's launch Spider-Man, and then a year later, let's do some online component with it. Let's launch Wolverine, and then a year later, let's launch some online component. And then when Spider-Man Three comes out, it's it's going to come with an online component pre-baked in. I think the social component does something different. It does. It's there's an element there of. It almost doesn't feel optional. You're like, well, I've got to go do this. I've got to go pay for this. I've got to go play this. All my friends are doing it. It's it's almost passively FOMO-baked. It's like, well, I don't want to miss out on this, dude. All my friends are booting that game up. They're all playing together now. I want to do that. I think a social component baked into DLC model is what I'm talking about. It's live service, but it's content-driven instead of like player funnel engagement-driven. Like, well, we need hundreds of thousands of people playing every hour or the game's going to die. I have zero desire to play those games socially. I don't think that that's the concern. I think the concern is... How do you get people to come back to a game in mass and spend money? You know? What's along with the DLC model as long as the content is good? I think game companies are wanting to see a more ongoing nature and not this sort of a la carte nature. Does that make sense? Like, I feel like DLC model feels so optional. It feels so a la carte. I don't know if it achieves the aims of a live service game. A live service game basically has a rhythmic engagement pattern where you're you're getting almost like guaranteed money. And I don't know if DLC works for that. Valhalla Rogue, T Lu 2, Returnal Updates, 
all would have gladly paid for. Same with the director's cuts we got. See, that's the real interesting question to ask, Eugene. The, the, the Valhalla Rogue and the Returnal update in Tower of Sisyphus was free. Now, are they trying something that has worked handedly for No Man's Sky? Like, is that what Sony's experimenting with? Like, did they look at the No Man's Sky charts and say, well, goodness gracious, it's worth assigning a small team to the project, add co-op, do Tower of Sisyphus, add this Valhalla rogue mode to Ragnarok, and we're going to get a ton of sales. We don't need to sell a DLC. What we want to do is we want to sell the main game, and this is a really easy way to do it. And it's a smaller team. I would assume it's a smaller team. I mean, goodness gracious, there are like entire cutscenes and dialogue sequences in in God of War Ragnarok uh, Valhalla. I don't know. In any case, I think the I think the player engagement funnel model is going to go the way of the Buffalo, unless it's some big IP that can sustain it, like. Fortnite or Call of Duty or something from Riot or something from Blizzard, you know, where they're just winning the war sh- through sheer volume. But the I don't think the average studio publisher developer, I just don't think that they're equipped for, you know, live service funnel model. Hey, an order of coffee coming in here from You know what's crazy is when I go to print the labels, I can see their username. I, I, I experienced that last night, uh, Creature. When I went to print the label, I saw the thing that you're trying to do with the business name. I saw it. That's Mipsy. See, I can go on the back end and see that that's Mipsy. So that's that. That's another way I can shout them out. I just can't do it from my phone. I just got to open up the back end. Yo, thank you, Mipsy, so much for ordering some coffee. I appreciate that very, very much. You mean the North American bison? Oh, for frick's sake. You know what I mean. You know what I mean. All right, I'm going to take a couple more questions from the members-only Q&A since we got so many new members, and we are now a 20-bomb away from another big one, so we'll, we'll see if anybody takes the bait. Um, Hilly Hijinks says, Favorite Star Wars game that has been released? Jedi Survivor. Jedi Fallen Order kind of as a package. I don't know if I can pick between the two. I loved Trilla in the first one. I love the end of the first one, but the second one was just so freaking good, it's almost impossible for you to pick between the two. Brett Williams says, did you ever go to school for broadcasting or is your overall presentation just some natural talent with years of trial and error to learn your craft? I have no background in broadcasting or radio. I get asked that all of the time. No. My degrees have nothing... (laughs) They have nothing to do with what I what I do here. Um, so yeah, I've been asked that many times. Like, do you have a history of in radio? Do you have a history in broadcasting? No. My only history with entertainment or being in front of people would be four years of drama. But even then, my junior and senior year in high school, I preferred being up in the booth and running the lights. I didn't like being on stage anymore. Um, and I, it kind of irritated my drama teacher because she thought I was good and I didn't like. I just didn't like it as much. Really what I didn't like is I didn't like having to memorize all the lines. I would rather play video games and hang out with my friends. So it irritated her. Yo, MASH! 
with a five bomb coming in, taking us to 61. Thank you so much, Mash. Nice, strong day today. Doing this members-only Q&A in the live environment and pulling more people in. Thank you so much, Mash. If you're one of the lucky people that got sick, one of the 61 gifted members today, either from me or from the folks here, make sure and say thank you for that. And you can upgrade. You can upgrade to Reforge Writer. It's only a dollar more. It's six dollars instead of five. And then you get into all of the extra content that we do. Friday nights with my wife, the writer's room. Now, gifted members will still get into the monthly community game night. And if I do a Friday night with Hilly, you get to come to that. And you get to take advantage of Q&A right now. Four years of drama plus another couple years of actual drama. Yeah, yeah. I've been broadcasting live this April for nine years. And if you go back and watch my earliest stuff, it's very different. So you do, I think, improve at something the more you do it. I do think there's natural innate talent in people. Um, When you can find your affinity for something and your ability for something, and when they dovetail, I think that gives birth to opportunity. I heard that once from a, you know, a presentation about work and finding satisfaction in your work. And so I think I have a natural affinity for talking. I like to talk. People have told me I have the gift of gab. <laughs> I've always been in a sales position, any any traditional job that I've probably ever had. And because of that, I think my affinity for talking just lended itself well to then having the ability to speak well and to sit here in a chair and just talk to people. There was a time where I, you know, streaming was to me you had to be playing a game. You had to be playing games. You weren't playing games. You weren't running raids. If you weren't showing people something or doing something, and and now I, it's it's kind of lost on me. Some days I kind of forget like how much what I do has evolved. I literally turn lights on and I sit in a chair. Like that's what I. That's the show. I never. I don't think in the beginning stages of doing this would have conceived of that being possible. If you'd have told me. You know, at the at the height of what I was doing on purple, they're like, "Yeah, you know, one day you're you're just you're just gonna sit in the chair and you're not even gonna you're not even gonna have a game behind you." I probably wouldn't have believed you. I'd have thought, "No, you need a game. You need that game catalyst. You need that that glue to get people to come in." I don't think I would have believed you. I'd have like, "Nah, I don't think that's possible." But I think there's a new era of content that's emerging right now, and I think. A couple of years ago, I predicted it was around 2020, 2019, where I said that I believe the future of content creation was more curated content, more show oriented content instead of just passively watching somebody play a game. And I knew that watching people play games was going to slowly fade and not be as big of a draw unless you were like highly entertaining, highly skilled. Everybody else is kind of going to drop off. And the explosion of podcasting, I think, is actually lending itself to what we do. So, yo, my man, Ganks with 33 months in a VIP. Enjoying the new format, homie. Excited to see how you grow this year. I appreciate that so, so much. Really, really do. And uh, as long as the gifteds keep coming in, man, we'll keep doing this. I know some of the people expressed frustration with the new format, but listen, man, I if. We, we're going to start running this channel basically the way everybody runs their podcast where we're going to do a ton of free stuff and then we're going to do some exclusive stuff and the exclusive stuff 
is is going to have you know a membership attached to it you're going to have to pay but the free stuff is going to outweigh that we're going to be doing way more between the live shows and the uploads that content's going to far outweigh what what we put behind that uh alapark says with the content model you describe i feel like it harkens back to how things used to be done with dlc expansion packs in the past do you feel like we're moving back to that or something new yeah i kind of already addressed that one alapark it's a good question i feel like there's a hybrid in the middle where you are doing classic dlc but you're also not necessarily doing classic dlc because let's be honest the tower of sisyphus and the returnal update with co-op and ac uh, i'm sorry um god of war ragnarok getting the valhalla free update I don't think those are classic DLC models because they were free. Ghost of Tsushima Legends. Like, I don't think that's a classic DLC model. There's something else going on there. It's more like live service because they're just giving you something free. And then you're like, oh, but if my buddy wants to come play this because I told him about it, now he's got to buy the game. It's like No Man's Sky is having an impact. It's like, you know, live service free to play is having an impact. It's like everything's kind of changing. So... Heavy Metal Mama says, so since now that you've experienced VR games, where do you see the genre going in the tech? What's your ideal VR game look like? I think VR is in a bad spot, if I'm honest. It is. Yo, MASH does another one. Another five gifted member bomb taking us to 66. We are now a 10 bomb away from hitting the 76 Agent of Chaos. We'll see if anybody takes the bait, MASH. Thank you for another five gifted members. I actually think VR is in a tough spot. It's in the same tough spot that I saw it in a couple of years ago, and I got a lot of pushback when I said this, and I said, I don't think VR will ever be mainstream. I don't think it'll ever be mainstream. Why? Because you have to wear something on your face. You have to spend extra money. The games are usually lower budget, lower in scope and scale. They're lower in budget and scope and scale because the audience is smaller. It is a... It's a cyclical reality. I don't think you can escape it. It's like... So, the publishers and the game devs are looking at the potential audience, and it's much smaller. So they spend less money. And because they spend less money, the games end up being maybe not as good. And because the games are maybe not as good, that's a great way to keep people away from VR. If, if I'm not saying it can't get better, Butters, but I think this year really showed how far VR has to go if it wants to get to a better place. Look at all the bad ports to the PSVR 2. There was a lot of them. You got VR Studio closing down. I tell you what they need to move away from with VR is move away from PvP. Why on earth would you try to make a VR game PvP? It's like it's the smallest slice of the gaming audience and you're making a game that's dependent upon other people playing. Terrible idea. Whoever greenlit the PvP VR games. I don't know what you're thinking. It's the smallest slice of the gaming pie is the VR audience. That is not ripe for a PvP game. It's it, it's it's ripe for utter failure. You're not going to get the engagement. You're not going to get enough people. You need a killer app. You need something at the graphical fidelity of Call of the Mountain but you need engrossing gameplay. I actually think the going forward formula, the winning formula, specifically with PSVR 2, I think you've got to attach, like, like tack on to existing games. I think you have to tack on to existing games. I think you got to do like what they did with Resident Evil. I think that's the ticket. I think that's the ticket because I think 
when you do that, you now have a catalyst for someone who doesn't own VR. They're like, ooh, Resident Evil. I liked Resident Evil. I can play VR. Ooh, Gran Turismo. Oh, I mean, I've seen some videos. That looks kind of hot. Like, you need to build bridges between the existing gaming audience and the VR experience. You're not doing that with wonky floating guns in trailers, like, and floating hands. You're not doing that. You know what you're going to win with? Existing IP. Headset sales are down 40%. Total spending was down 10 Yeah, it's in a tough spot. I think it's in a tough spot. It's facing the same challenges. Again, I got so much pushback years ago when I said, dude, VR is going to really struggle to be mainstream. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's the future, Lono. It's the future. I'm like, you can't change how people experience. They don't want to wear something on their face. You curved TVs, backlit TVs, 3D TVs. The most popular TVs are still just bigger, better looking versions of the boob tube from back in the day. Movie theaters, right? 3D is so... At least at the theaters in my city, dude, 3D is so much less common now. IMAX is more common. Like, if you really want to spend for the top-shelf experience, you you, you look for the IMAX, you look for the reclining seats. 3D? Get the frick out of here. I don't want to wear that crap on my face. I don't want to spend extra money to wear stupid-looking Dilbert glasses that I throw away after the fact. Like, what? No. I'm telling you, VR is always going to face that challenge. I don't want to wear something on my face. I get motion sick. And then when you win them over, like me, bro, it's a big ask for me to play a VR game in the evening. I got I to gotta make space for it. I got to have secondary equipment sometimes, right? You got the infrared light I had to stinking by. Like, and then it can be, it, you know, it's kind of tiring. Like I'm standing there. It's like, well, maybe I just want to sit and, and veg out with the game and I don't want to stand. Even the games that I loved, it's just like, oh, it's a commitment, dude. I loved the rogue mode uh, Gazzlers on the PSVR 2. I love Synapse. I love um, Asgard's Wrath 2. I was having so much fun with that. AC, the AC game, the Assassin's Creed Nexus game. I was having so much fun with that. But it's like, I've got to set aside the space and the time and it's, and this is coming from somebody who owns a Pico 4, a MetaQuest 3, and a PSVR 2. And one of my favorite games of last year was a, was a VR game. And one of two of my favorite games from last year were VR games, Synapse and Asgard's Wrath 2. And I'm telling you, VR is, is going to struggle. That doesn't mean it can't crest over the hill. It doesn't. But you got a lot of barriers you got to spend as much money as you would on a console itself and then the game quality and quantity yeah shaky it's shaky there's a lot of crap in those VR storefronts there's a lot of crap there's a lot of silly arcadish throwaway games that feel like a mobile game decided to take a crack at VR right and then you got ports coming to PSVR 2 that are bad and getting bad scores space doesn't bother me that five minutes I need to set up for a two hour session is nothing okay you gotta think about the average consumer what are they gonna do 
Are they going to hang hooks in their ceiling? Are they? Are they going to buy an infrared light to project on the wall? Or are they going to pick up their controller and go, beep, and, and, and start playing? What do you think they're going to do? They got to spend 500 something odd dollars. They got to buy more games. They got to, you know, put hooks in their ceiling. And they got to make sure there's plenty of space. And, and then if the lighting is not so good, then it's not going to really capture the barrier. Then you got to buy an infrared light. Does any of this sound appealing to the average consumer? It's like the PC debate we always have. If a consumer is going to debate between buying a gaming rig and a console, they're going to see gaming rigs at Best Buy, and they're going to see gaming rigs on, you know, Alienware or Amazon for $1,500. And they're going to see a console for $500. Which decision do you think they're going to make? I'm not bashing VR. VR has a steep hill to climb. It's got financial hills to climb, consumer perception hills to climb. It's got cost hurdles to climb for the consumer themselves. It's got experiential subjective, like, oh, I get motion sick. Well, you're never selling them a thing. They're never going to buy. They try it once in a store and they get woozy. They're never coming back. They're like, yeah, dude, I tried that, dude. I felt dizzy. They don't know that like after a couple of hours, it kind of subsides. All they know is they put that thing on, stood in Best Buy, felt dizzy, got a little wonky, took the headset off, was like, that's not for me, bro. <clears throat> the games do a better job with motion sickness than others, but even the best experience is too much for some people. Yeah. It takes one negative experience for that person to say no thank you. If the 3D glasses are uncomfortable at the store, I remember when they were trying to sell 3D televisions. I saw so many people do this. They were like, they're like adjusting them. And they kind of look, take them off. Never buying a 3D television after that. They're never going to do it. It's over. You lost them as a customer. Why? Why would they spend that amount of money? I can get people for 250 and get them an Xbox and a VR headset, Game Pass, and Cloud. I'm not that sentence doesn't make any sense to me. I can get people for two fifty, and get them an Xbox and a VR headset, Game Pass, Cloud. I'm mean, what? Huh? That's the biggest issue. No one can try it. Apple's going to let people try some standing experiences. I think the trick to getting people to try it and not feel woozy and maybe thinking it's kind of cool, I think the trick is going to be mixed reality. I don't think mixed reality games are going to be ever be that great, at least for now. But I think mixed reality has a lower likelihood of you being like, whoa, oh gosh, I'm going to fall down. It's like, no, you're, you're in the store. You can see the sales clerk and you can see the counters and you can see the shelves and like... You know, little creatures are running around and maybe you grab one, you hold it with your hand. Oh my gosh. You know, and then you grab something off your belt and you put the little creature in the bucket and you're like, ooh, like that might hook people because that that probably is going to minimize the the opportunity for them to feel woozy. Apple devices isn't going to sell VR headsets for gaming. I'm saying what it might make somebody say is, hey, that's pretty fun. Maybe I'll get a MetaQuest. That was kind of nice. Maybe I'll get a PSVR 2. Again, I think you're going to have a really, really hard time to get mass adoption. You just are. 
A lot of barriers. A lot of barriers. Um, we went a little long today because we didn't have a premiere and you guys were crushing it with members. Um, you got a little teeny bit of time. If you guys want to slam home 10 more members, then I would owe you five. I love letting new people kind of get in the door and kind of try out some features. A daily Q&A like this is a great opportunity for them to get a sample of what we do. And then we go to the writer's room, which is where we kind of plan the next day's shows. And doing this earlier in the day has helped me out immensely. Yesterday was so great. I got my monologue written. I recorded a bunch of videos for Brick Abbey. Like it really, really frees me up. Um, to 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 do more, and that's going to free me up to do more content for this channel as well. That includes reviews, me being able to play games. If I get early access, I'm not going to feel so strained to only play late in the evening. So we're trying to carve out a little bit more time for me this year. Last year it was really really difficult for me to play games to completion, and I feel like that's something that will really help the channel uh, quite a bit more. Um, there are, hang on. There are no more real questions in here. There's only one more from Dumpy Koala just saying, how has your day been? So I'm going to go ahead and end Q&A so nobody gets left out. And we are going to... uh, I didn't see your question in there, Lancelot, but if you want to save it, we're going to head to the writer's room here in four minutes. We're going to head to the writer's room in four minutes. I set it up right there. We'll go at, at 1230. And I got to switch this off of automatic because we're not doing a premiere today. I got to voluntarily start the stream. Did you just pitch AR Pokemon? Yeah, like, think about that. Like, if you're standing in an Apple store and you slap that headset on and you play a little Pokemon game, you know, they got little they got little Pokemans running around the store and you're grabbing them and you're throwing them in, you know, I, I'm, I, you know, that might convince somebody that it's kind of cool. Their texts are popping up, their calendar's right there, they're playing a little game, you know. I don't know. Pokemans? Yeah. That's that's how you say Pokemon in the plural. <laughs> that's how you say Pokemon in the plural, dude. Pokemans. I have a Pokemon. I have many Pokemans. I've come on, dude. I've seen the show. <laughs> I've seen the the TV show. You know? Main character, pick and choose. Pick and choose is great. <laughs> uh. Oh man. Oh I forgot. We're like we're like doing uh we're like doing tweets now with vids. Creature pushed one out. Oh we also retweeted a Zubitech thing. Out of all the studios, Bend and London Studio have been developing their games for almost five years. I think we hear from Bend this year. I do. I think we hear from Bend this year. Really? That's the plural for Pokemon? No. I'm kidding you. I'm messing around. Pokemon is like deer. 
you would say there's a deer over there and you would say there's a lot of deer over there you'd say there's a pokemon over there or you would say there's a lot of pokemon over there <laughs> i was being an idiot I, I hope that one ends up on Twitter. <laughs> Look at this idiot. <laughs> Look at this fake gamer. He doesn't know what the plural for Pokemon is. You settle down. <laughs> Gonna have an aneurysm. <laughs> oh, man. Pokemans. That's it, dude. It rhymes with pokey stands, and we all know who they are. All right, let me give you guys a link. Let me give you guys a link. <laughs> let me give you a link to the writer's room. If you got blessed with a gifted membership today, man, this is an opportunity for you to support the channel as well as just get to continue the day with us and be part of the planning of the next day's shows and content. You can go use the upgrade command or just go to the join button or go to the members tab. Those are all the locations where you can bump up to a Reforge writer. It is a $6 membership instead of a $5 membership. And we just do that as a means of, uh, of just giving more and also giving me more opportunities to just take time to, uh, to plan and sketch out content. So I am going to put a link in the chat and we are going to, whoops, it was like trying to search chat. There we go. That link is to the writer's room. I will also redirect you if you're at the member tier high enough. Uh, before we leave, guys, smash the like button. We only need 20 more likes for 300 likes. Thanks so much for being a Reforge writer or higher. Uh, the new way that we're doing this now, we're doing this segment around 12.30, 12.15 every day Eastern time. A little bit earlier than we used to, but it gives me more opportunities to do work, uh, gameplay, or different things for the channel in the afternoon instead of doing both a debrief and that. But now the debrief and the Q&A happens during the opening live show so it's a great reason to gift members or maintain your membership that happens during the live show as well i'm going to end that show we were talking about star wars outlaw uh the release date confusion i'm gonna bring everybody over from that and appreciate